There was an idea. Dormammu, I come to bargain. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Bunch of jackasses standing in a circle. Asking Robbins always finds out. I prefer the faster way. Are you Tony Stank? I am Iron Man. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Assembly Required, an MCU retrospective, the show where we reassemble the MCU piece by piece, movie by movie, and we are now at the end game of Endgame. We are, we're, we're meta now. We're at the, the last part of the last part, but it's not really the last part because we still have another movie to go, but you guys know what I mean. What's going on? I'm Eduardo. I'm the host of this podcast, and I have assembled a fine crew of gentlemen today. There's no alliteration today because we've been here for 45 minutes, and I didn't think of it for some reason. But here they are. <laughs> we, we've got Peek Chris. behind the curtain. We never we've start got, on time. <laughs> we never start on time. We always get in this chat, and then we all start talking, and then 45 minutes goes by, and my wife comes in three times asking why we haven't started yet. Uh, that sounds weird for us. We don't usually go on unnecessarily. <laughs> Us go oh. on a tangent. Is that Peaches I hear? Oh, Chris. It and is. Robbie too. I'm already emo, guys. <laughs> What's going on, guys? You guys ready to talk some endgame? You ready to to, to no, wrap I have up to. our oh okay. Well, oh, is this a rap episode? Are we is this musical? Yeah. Did you not I assemble would... your raps before? I am not prepared. My name is Peaches and I came to say. I'm Captain America, and I'm here to say it's fun to fight in a patriotic way. Whoa. I'm obviously a killer freestyler, but I'm not going to do that on here. Uh, Obviously, obviously. Well, boyos, go. Let's just dive right into it, shall we? Starting at the top of the third act of Endgame, the Avengers have recovered the Infinity Stones through quantum shenanigans. Hulk successfully undid Thanos. Quantum shenanigans would be a great name for our band. (laughs) I already played bass for them. Really? (laughs) Quantum shenanigans is my uh, parents' favorite show from the 80s. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much. We have been quantum shenanigans. Bringing back half of all life in the universe. At the same time, however, Thanos from 2014, aided by Nebula, discovered the plot and has reproduced the same method the Avengers use for reality jumping, and has arrived with his capital ship Sanctuary in 2023 and begun laying waste to the Avengers compound. James Rhodes, Bruce Banner, and Rocket Raccoon uh, fall through the collapsing compound into the lower levels. Hulk holds up the roof to keep it from collapsing, but is unable to move from his position as the chamber the three are in begins to rapidly flood. Rhodey's war machine armor is badly damaged, and he is forced to disengage from it, costing him the use of his legs. Rocket is completely pinned under rubble. Rhodey is able to free him, but they are unable to find a way out of the chamber. Scott Lang, who shrunk down to ant size as the attack began, hears Rhodey's distress call and says he's on his way. Why'd you just get giddy? Oh, Hulk holding up the Avengers compound is a reference to the Secret Wars comic from the 80s. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are they're trapped under a mountain, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, it's a mountain. Secret Wars is a really weird comic where the Beyonder, it's the Beyonder, right? Is yes, it's some celestial. I'm pretty sure it's I heard the Dang it, Eduardo. <clears throat> yeah, it's uh, the Beyonder brings all these heroes from Earth and brings all these villains from Earth and makes them fight on his planet called Battleworld. 
and the heroes end up trapped under a mountain and Hulk has to hold up mm-hmm. the entire mountain uh, that has collapsed on top of them. And it's a really iconic uh, uh, comic panel. And I and, did uh, not realize it was a direct reference until the Russes actually say that. Like, they, they oh, yeah. ripped it straight from the pages on purpose. Yeah. I read The Secret Wars just because I wanted to know where the symbiote came from. Because that's where yes. Spider-Man first got his black suit. I had just read Secret Wars. It had been within the year before Endgame came out. So it was it was in my mind. It was fairly fresh in my mind when I saw it. So it was uh, it was very exciting when I realized what was happening. Robbie, are you aware of the the Deadpool symbiote retcon that happened in the second Secret Wars? No. In the second Secret Wars, which is when the multiverse collapsed and Doctor Doom created a new battle world, um, created from pieces of the other of all the different Marvel universes, and like the police force were all Thors, and it was all this crazy stuff going on. Um, there was a tie-in book called Deadpool Secret Wars, which was not about the current Secret Wars, but about the 80 Secret Wars that revealed everything that Deadpool was up to during the Secret War. And it turns out that he put on the symbiote first, which is why that symbiote went crazy. <laughs> and when Spider-Man got it, that's why it was evil. <laughs> okay. I'll accept that. <laughs> he also sleeps with the wasp, but I feel like you probably wouldn't like that part. I so would not much. like that. Yeah. But then everyone, for- he, he like erases that from uh, oh well better than things happen that makes everyone forget it yeah you know <laughs> sorry that was a tangent i wasn't <laughs> expecting tangent. to get on wow we don't yeah. do that no we don't we don't elsewhere in the destroyed compound clint barton has fallen into a lower level access tunnel and finds the iron infinity gauntlet at his feet as barton picks up the gauntlet a pack of outriders arrive and give chase Okay, I have talked on this show before, and I feel like I have to yeah, like that's do true. this. <laughs> I feel like I have to do this uh, more than once. I've had to do this more than once with several different things, but I've talked on the show before about how I'm not a big fan of Hawkeye. Like I find them kind of boring sometimes, and like you know, I think he's pretty good in this this movie, and I, I actually really like him in this movie, and I found him really interesting and compelling, which I hadn't found throughout most of his time in the MCU. And I'm only sad now that we don't ever get a redemption arc for the helicarrier, so I can change my emotions about that, too. <laughs> we need a helicarrier movie. Yes, <laughs> yes we do. Unironically, we At do. At least a Disney Plus series. Yeah, I agree. Right. Maybe I it's agree. animated. <laughs> I agree. I don't know. Do you, are you going to expand on that, or are you discu- well, are we discussing just, it now? Well, I just find Hawkeye... I guess my problem with Hawkeye is he always felt like a, like a like a bonus extra. Like you ever order something online and they're like, oh, and also get a free travel case. Yes. Hawkeye was like the Avengers free travel case. It just kind of <laughs> came along when you ordered the Avengers. You also get Hawkeye, right? Like he's just kind of there. That's how Ooh, I might order now. We'll throw in a second yeah. Captain right. America. Absolutely free. Yeah, <laughs> I agree with that. I you know I agree too that it's kind of a shame that he he kind of gets good in this movie and i do mean that in the dark souls way when i say get good uh <laughs> when he gets good in this movie because like i'm pretty sure that's like we get we get this series coming up but like who knows where that's gonna pick up and as far as the whole storyline goes it would be cool at this point to get a little more hawkeye now that he kind of has like an edgy side um with like the tattoos and the hipster haircut and you know the killing a bunch of people 
<laughs> I just felt like before he didn't really have that many character traits. Yeah. He was yes. just Hawkeye, right? Like he was just guy. And like some of the things he did was cool, but he didn't have any, like I never knew his motivations and they did introduce right. his family, unfortunately in age of Ultron. And like, unfortunately that's one of the most forgettable movies of all right. time. And, and so it's, it's hard to where his most important story came in that movie. It's hard to like give any weight to, to him and his family and like his motivation. So in all the other movies, you don't really know. He's just like bow and arrow guy that yes. does stuff, but you don't know why he's doing any of it. Which is authentic to Hawkeye from the comics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He just, he feels like a perpetual sidekick, yes. but, but some characters that are perpetual sidekicks feel m- more important than him. Like, this isn't going to be the case anymore because he was handed the shield at the end of this movie, but Sam is a sidekick in a bunch of Captain America movies, but he's still really cool. Mm -hmm. Like, I want to know more about Sam. Like, I want the story to expand on Sam, and it's going to, but Hawkeye's kind of like the, you're a sidekick and uh, whatever happens to you. It's the same with uh, Rhodey, I think. Like, Rhodey, I find really interesting. I think his motivations always make sense, except the one time where he was like, I stand with the Sokovia Accords, and then the next movie he's like, Screw the Accords. <laughs> the next movie, he's like, I need help to stand at all. Right. Oh, God. I, uh... <laughs> wow, I'm really sorry. That just happened. I think I just made the same face Groot made in Guardians of the Galaxy when oh. Rocket said, oh, my wife and You're kids are dead. You're making me kick grass. Um, oh, my God. No, I... We can just edit that out. <laughs> no, absolutely not. That stays in. I, uh, <laughs> I agree with you, Eduardo. I just think there's two <laughs> things that are interesting when you say that. I do absolutely think the Ronin turn and that he has to find this redemption because he finds out that the reason he went so dark can maybe be undone by being an actual hero. I do think that's interesting. Um, I actually think the best Hawkeye was in Ultron. It's just we don't remember Ultron. And I think that's kind of something we talked about on that episode. But also, I'm pretty sure all four of us on this podcast are in agreement with you. I think all three of us agree with you. Um, and yet, in my actual life, I know so many Hawkeye stands. And they never give me a reason they're Hawkeye stands. But just tons and tons and tons of Hawkeye fans in the real world. And I don't... More power to them. If you like Hawkeye, you like Hawkeye. But I just don't know when he's ever done anything to be interesting. Maybe they're also into archery? Maybe. That could be it. Or Jeremy Renner? I think it's Jeremy Renner, but I'm not positive. They really like that movie Tag. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they all got his app and were really sad to see it, you know, go away. There's only one Bourne movie for me, and it doesn't have Matt Damon in it. (laughs) Uh, Uh, Go ahead, Chris. um, I'd say that there, I've read some comics with hawkeye that are really really good Mm -hmm. but he has the same problem that hulk has he has the same problem that black widow has and that he doesn't get any movies of his own save for the one that hulk got and the one that black widow will get eventually someday when we're allowed to leave the house again Mm -hmm. uh but he there was there was no hawkeye movie so he never really he he can only have his character development happen in the context of avengers movies or or civil war and to the point where his biggest character development was, hey, did you know that he has this complete other life that we've never seen before? He's a farm. Uh, 
Yeah, it's like, that's not character development. That's like cluing us in on, hey, here's the mystery Hawkeye. And I guess they tried to justify it by saying, hey, the rest of the team didn't know this either, except for his best friend. But that's... I think it says something that the reason people are excited about the Hawkeye show is not because Hawkeye's getting show, but because we're getting new Hawkeye on it with uh, Kate Bishop. Mm -hmm. I think people like Kate Bishop more than they (laughs) like Clint Barton. Yeah. Uh, for for better or worse, and I mean, I know that's one thing I'm excited about. Is oh wow, we're gonna get get Hawkeyes because the best is Hawkeye comic. I think they've said that uh, they've said that she will be part of it. Okay. They haven't announced the casting or anything yet, but I, I'm pretty sure at Comic Con they did that. And and the logo come the logo for the TV show comes from the Matt Fraction Hawkeye run, yes. which is not the one that introduced Kate Bishop, but did have them working together and is really good if you get a chance to read it like i do highly recommend the the matt fraction hawkeye run um yeah i recognize the far yeah so so there are good hawkeye stories to be told we just never really got any because there were avenger stories being told featuring hawkeye yeah yeah and i think the other heroes get a chance to shine in some other movies Hulk gets a really good chance to shine in um, Ragnarok. Black Widow, I think, gets a decent chance to shine in Winter Soldier. And honestly, most, if not all of the Captain America movies, except for the first one, so the other two, she gets, I think, a decent chance to shine in those movies as well. But Hawkeye never gets that. Hawkeye doesn't play well alongside anyone except yeah. for Black Widow. Right. And yeah. so, who knows? And the if- one that he did get was Ultron. And as you said, people right. tend to not care about Ultron as much. Right. right. So. Well, the other thing is I don't think, I don't think there's anything wrong with, you know, some of the characters are just filler characters in your superhero movies. Like, that's fine. I just think it's interesting that at some point, I feel like Hawkeye was elevated to the same level as the other five because he was part of that group. Not because of his own thing, but because he was in Avengers, so clearly he's on the same level as Iron Man. And I just think there's some people that act that way and that's fine again if they like them um yeah and and we talked about this on that episode too but he he spends half of avengers his first real appearance aside from the cameo and thor mm-hmm. he spends half of that under mind control mm-hmm. so we do not get to see him as hawkeye we get to establish okay hawkeye actually is a badass and yes just because he's a bow and arrow doesn't mean he's not a formidable opponent but but we don't get to actually get to know Clint. Right. And that is that is the thing, is that these Marvel movies have been so good about you getting to know the characters to the point where, and I think we talked about this before too, you tend to refer to the characters by their real names. Right. Like, we talk about Tony, we talk about Steve, we talk about Matt, uh, Bruce. Um, we, we, we do that. But with Hawkeye... we we get a full movie with him where we don't even get to know Hawkeye. We just get to know scary guy with arrows who then becomes Hawkeye in the set in the final act of that movie. We don't get to see Clint until his second main appearance. And I think that's where the weakness is. Oh, that said, I agree with Eduardo who talked about um, the amount of pain that Hawkeye goes through in this movie is gut wrenching. Um, And I agree with that. Like I don't necessarily have to have a huge attachment to the character to still be able to relate to you know him losing his family to him going extremely dark as a result and 
then realizing there's hope and that don't give me hope scene is regardless if you're interested in the character i think a really powerful scene um, mm-hmm. or a really powerful meme yeah, whatever. that too <laughs> <laughs> and then everything on vormir is obviously emotional like he doesn't have the grand arc that some of the other avengers do but it's still a very i think powerful and relatable arc um, which i think was something that eduardo was pointing out and i agree with oh, i agree yeah, with that too yeah yeah, I find him really interesting in this movie, and I think the tough part with Hawkeye is that he's not exciting on his own, but you have to give him a reason to be exciting, mm-hmm. right? Like, there has to be... So t- take another character, for example, Mantis, right? We'll take Mantis, who never has really her own movie except for Volume 2 of, uh, of Guardians, and where she gets the most of her time. But we don't really explore her, her character that much, but she's such an interesting and captivating um, actress playing the character, the way she's playing it, um, w- her powers are interesting. All of that lets you kind of be like, oh, I'm interested in this character before I need their motivations. But Hawkeye is the exact opposite. He is a guy that has a bow and arrow. There's not that much interesting about him beforehand. So you need those motivations to get invested to then get into, you know, being on board with the character. So I, I just think he doesn't have that hook to immediately catch you at the beginning. You know, I think that's a really interesting point because that's what the Avengers, like the actual comic book Avengers started as, were these characters that were not quite as popular as, you know, Spider-Man. So let's lump them together in a superhero team in one comic where they're more interesting because they're together. Um, I personally thought, always thought Iron Man was cool enough to be on his own, but apparently the rest of the world didn't. Um, but, you know, Thor, eventually Hawkeye, and eventually Black Widow, like they started filling these roles in this team. Um, Captain Marvel all these characters that weren't quite strong enough to carry their own comic, but let's put them together because together they can have interesting stories and together they can become interesting playing off of each other um, and adding to each other. And the, the, the thought process isn't, well, you know, does the bow and arrow guy really need to ne- be next to the person with the flying suit of armor? Like, no, he doesn't. Okay. But it's a comic book. And I feel like the MCU took that same approach early on, like very early on. Yeah. We gave Thor his own movie and we gave Iron Man his own movie um well probably not with iron man this isn't true but we gave captain america's own movie and i mean remember this feels weird now but 12 years ago no one would have thought captain america can carry his own movies and be a super successful film character none of us thought that no one thought that so even the mcu was let's give these guys their films so we can get going on this group film which is the actual point the film Avengers was almost the same concept as the comic book Avengers of lump these characters together that we have the rights to. That's the actual thing going on here and see if we can make a good film out of putting them together, which they did. Now then, because a lot of people in the studio are geniuses, then we got great Captain America movies and then we got great Thor movies and then we got great Iron Man movies, which, okay, we, we debated that one, but um, we got great Guardians of the Galaxy movies. <laughs> I agree. We spun all these characters off into being great individual characters. But early on, that's not necessarily what you would expect from the Avengers. The Avengers is, I love them, but kind of like the recycling bin of superheroes. And so it kind of makes sense that there's Hawkeyes in this, both on, on page and in film, um, to your point. Just some of our characters grew out of that. I don't think you can necessarily expect that. I think it's, to me, it's more shocking that we made Thor interesting than it's shocking that we didn't make hawkeye interesting if that makes sense maybe hawkeye was too good for the like he's that weird in between where he's too good for the freshman team but he's not good enough for the jv team but we're gonna put him on the jv yeah. team anyway yes 
because then you know the other freshman teams will think that our team is like doing steroids <laughs> or something if we have Hawkeye on our team. <laughs> you know, interestingly, I was gonna bring up like the Hawkeye, us talking about Hawkeye's role in all of the MCU, but it feels like we've yes. kind of covered that through our discussion right now. Um, unless anybody has anything else they want to say, but it feels like we've uh, we've really touched on hawkeye in the mcu and how we like him here but he didn't necessarily have the most grandiose story no. to begin and with just like chris said because he didn't have his own uh, movies yeah maybe the show will give him right. more of a more life sure so mm. moving on thanos wielding a giant dual blade and wearing full armor arrives in the crater of destruction commends Nebula from 2014 for her work and tells her to find the gauntlet and bring it to him while he waits. Aboard Sanctuary, Gamora observes the destruction. She asks Nebula from 2023 what happens to them in the future. Nebula admits she tries repeatedly to kill Gamora, but the two eventually become sisters. Gamora is convinced and picks up Nebula saying, come on, we can stop him. Tony Stark, still on the higher levels of the ruined compound, finds a knocked-out Steve Rogers, waking him up and handing over his shield. The two meet with Thor, who is standing on a ruined ledge, watching Thanos sitting alone in the rubble. And this shot's yep. really cool. Of the three of them, Thor, Captain America, and Iron Man, walking up to Thanos, like... It's a really cool shot. And it's a really cool... I don't know. I, this is, the like, the the portals before the portals almost like it's the beginning of the fan yep. service here. So two mm-hmm. things to that. Um, one, it is a cool shot. Also a side note, a, a line I caught that's great that, that Tony Stark says that I had not thought of before rewatching for this episode when he says, um, uh, Steve asks what happened and Tony says, well, when you mess with time, it tends to mess back. Like, I, I, I think that's a very succinct way to describe what's going on in this movie, but no, it's a great shot. Um, you said fan service. And one of the things I thought was great on the commentary was um, one of the Russos is talking about how a lot of stuff in this film is dismissed as fan service. And they said that, and then there was this pause and they go, but like, there's a lot of MCU fans. Like, yeah, okay, it's fan service. There's nothing wrong with fan service. And because you said that, I also want to point out this shot is great despite the fact that it's forced. Um, because sometimes things that are forced can still be good because they're fan service. And I'm going to get back to that later. Uh, I wonder what? where you're going to get back to that at. I <laughs> wonder. I can't imagine where in this specific movie we would talk about that. So after a nice hero shot of the three Avengers who get their own trilogy, who got their own trilogies, the three agree they need to keep Thanos occupied and away from the stones, even though they I'm know getting hype and we're just talking Thor says, this movie right now. <laughs> oh my God. Gonna stop the podcast and go watch it again. <laughs> Thor says, "Good as long as we're all in agreement." Calling Stormbreaker and Mjolnir to his hands and using a flash of lightning to suit up as the God of Thunder for the first time in the movie. Oh, I'm dying just thinking about that. <laughs> what he like Stormbreaker and then Mjolnir. Ah! <laughs> Braids the beard <laughs> and adding, "Let's kill him properly this time." The three approach Thanos who greets them with you couldn't leave with your own you couldn't live with your own failure and where did it bring you back to me Thanos says he realizes people are too stubborn to accept this plan if they can remember what they lost and vows to regain the stones and use them to reduce the universe to atoms and rebuild it from scratch according to his own design and the three attack Thanos together 
Real quick, I almost put something about this scene in the mm-hmm. notes because I didn't fully realize the first time that we talked about this on the last episode, but I didn't fully realize when Thanos walks into the ship earlier in the movie that he's covered mm-hmm. in blood. Um, and in the previous episode, I was like, hey, everybody, there's your key that he's actually an idiot or he's yep. actually an asshole or whatever mm-hmm. it was that I said. But this scene specifically, I almost wrote about this in the notes because um, this is the, the scene for me that triggered that response was that like, how can you think that he's still possibly right? Like hearing that his true motivation is still destruction, right. even though he knows that the people that were reduced wants to ha- have their life back. And he's now he's like, oh, you want your life back? Sorry, I took it away. Let me just take it all away. You don't like what I've given you, then have none of it. Like he's like a he's yeah, it's a like bad ultimately dad. his motivation is just he has to win. <laughs> I have to yeah. be right. Mm-hmm. And and so this scene for me was like I felt that it was nice for them to to give him this small monologue because it really revealed his true nature. Right. If it hadn't already been revealed to people that knew better. Yep. I also like this scene um because it was inspired by westerns they actually shot once upon a or watched once upon a time in the west once upon a time in the west in the writer's room because they wanted this scene to be like a western and so they had everyone watch that think about how they were going to frame it how they're going to have Thanos talking so oh. the, uh, it's an alan Silvestri score but this shot is a western um and that's part of why i really love it mm-hmm. huh. the approach like the oh, confrontation cool. before yeah a duel. and the approach the way yeah. the the if you watch many old westerns um, the way the camera's following their feet approaching Thanos, that's absolutely a Western moment. Um, and then the, the you know, a, a pretty common trope in Westerns is towards the end in the confrontation, the villain explains to, you know, the other characters what the whole movie has been about, basically. Like, and that's what Thanos is doing here. So it's this is very much a Western shot, um, and I love it. I never made that connection, but that makes a lot of sense. Like mm-hmm. you just said it, I mm-hmm. I get it. The flooding waters in the chamber Hulk, Rocket, and Rhodey are trapped in starts to reach the ceiling. Hulk tells the other two to get out of there, but they are unable to. As Rocket starts to go below the waves, Rhodey tells him, See you on the other side, buddy. Tiny Ant-Man races through the waterways, telling them to hold on before launching off a pencil and into the water. Clint? Rocket sounds so yes, desperate it's in the like scene, sad. by the way. It, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Clint, gauntlet in tow, continues to run through the tunnels and away from the Outriders. He manages to kill them off bit by bit before grappling to a higher level where he runs into Nebula. Barton hands Nebula the gauntlet, who turns out to be the 2014 version, and contacts Thanos to tell him she has it before pulling her gun on Hawkeye. Before she can pull the trigger, 2023 Nebula arrives with Gamora. Gamora points her gun at past <laughs> Nebula, while future Nebula holds up her hands and tries to talk to her. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking in the office. Everybody which, picturing the office which, scene okay, where they're so all... If you don't know, that office scene is a Mexican standoff, which comes from the Western, uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly. This is another Western reference. Yes. <laughs> and tries to talk to her past self uh, through breaking away from her father. Both attempt to appeal to a clearly emotional Nebula from the past, telling her she does not have to listen to Thanos. Gamora lowers her gun, but Nebula from the past says she can't do it and points her own go to Gamora. Before past Nebula can fire, future Nebula is able to draw her gun and kill her past self. Nebula is shaken, 
but her allegiance is proven to Gamora. Barton picks the gauntlet back up. This is a fight between Thanos and Thor, Iron Man, and Captain America rages on outside. Using teamwork and combo attacks, the three have Thanos on his heels. While Tony pins Thanos using a super beam charge by Thor's lightning, Thor uses Stormbreaker to club Mjolnir at Thanos. <laughs> Before Mjolnir can hit him, however, Thanos manages to grab Iron Man and use him as a shield, knocking out Stark and sending Mjolnir flying away. Rogers uh, is then knocked down with a massive punch from Thanos. Before we get to the good what stuff, good stuff. Uh, I want to check out the other good stuff. Uh, I think I said in the Avengers episode that when Thor accidentally charges up the Iron Man armor, that I wanted to see that paid mm-hmm. off later in the movie, and it wasn't. But they did it yeah, here, Yeah, you got baby. like a good 30 minutes um, of payoff here in this, at the end of this movie. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> But I was just very excited that they like remembered that 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 mm-hmm. was a thing, and I I, I love in a superhero team up, whenever you get the cool yes. combo attacks. Like I love I love weird character pairings, but then uh, when we get to the actual fighting, I love it when it's like, oh, let me throw my shield and uh, Thor, you whack it with your hammer. Like when we get stuff. I like randomly that, that's went so cool. back to Ultimate Ali- so. Marvel Ultimate Alliance three recently, and that's what this fight is. Yeah. This fight is a bunch of synergy attacks from Marvel Ultimate Alliance three. Thor is left to take Thanos one-on-one but Thanos is able to easily knock Thor to the ground taking Stormbreaker and pushing against Thor's breastplate in a reversal of Thor's attack on Thanos in Infinity War as Thor struggles against Stormbreaker cutting through his armor Mjolnir begins to slowly lift in the air then flies across the battlefield smacking Thanos in the head and arriving not in the hand of Thor but to the hand of Captain Steve Rogers. And then none of us could hear for a week. <laughs> Can you say everything you just said again, but slower? <laughs> I, oh, God. Maybe a little sultry. Everyone's theater went crazy, oh. right? Like, went bananas. Oh, yeah. And, oh, and I nuts, still, to this nuts. day, will rewatch YouTube videos of people screaming at this scene and screaming at everything else that happens in this movie. Me too. And there's some people that complain about it, but like, I don't know. I like a theatrical event like that. I The first time I ever had that experience was actually probably Yoda with a lightsaber um, or possibly uh, oh. I went to the midnight showing Return of the King and the I am no man scene got a standing ovation. That's what this seems like. And I like this. I like these fan events where people go crazy and I miss that and I wish I could relive it. You know, I I my opinions on it changed over the years. It's funny is that I remember and this is going to sound weird, but when we when I saw Thor The Dark World, uh, when that premiered, the audience was going crazy at several things, and I felt mm-hmm. like I missed things. Uh, I missed <laughs> Thor The of, Dark World? Yeah, well, <laughs> I missed Captain America's lines, is what it was. Oh, oh. <laughs> Everyone okay. was going crazy, so I missed everything he said uh, in that brief cameo, and I was annoyed. Um, then I saw Age of Ultron. I don't know, I'm talking about all the greatest hits here. Uh, and when Vision lifted the hammer, the audience reaction was great. And I was like, okay, you know what? I'm for it again. And then Infinity War and Endgame, just the audience reactions, like, you know what? I am fully embracing that I love these things because there were a couple times when I spontaneously mm-hmm. started clapping 
and mm-hmm. cheering as well. It's like, all right, but, you know, this is just what it is now. But I also want to throw in that I, and I don't know if you guys feel this way. I personally feel like, like the MCU as a whole, all the different directors and, and writers, et cetera, got better at recognizing what moments yes. those yep. like outcries were going to happen in. Because in Avengers, one of the things I talked about in the Avengers episode part one or two, I don't even remember, was when Hulk was flinging Loki around and he said puny God. I didn't hear that until the third time I saw the movie because of everybody cheering that Loki was getting smashed. Um, But it seems like in the later half of the MCU, they kind of leave dialogue out when they know something yep. is going to happen that's really big like that. So I I, I feel like they've grown smarter about so it. The There's Russos. one big exception in this movie yep. that I will talk about later. Well, <laughs> the Russos talk about exception too. Um, so the Russos, oh, really? uh, Peaches, talk about that exact thing you said and working on that in the film. And they yeah. said there's one okay. moment where they screwed up and they didn't think about it ahead of time. And I'm sure that's what Chris is talking about. So we'll get to it. Um, we'll get to but, it. But uh, <laughs> yeah, no, they definitely, that's on purpose. Like they, they started to realize... These are a fan event. We need time for the fans to be able to cheer without missing anything. You know, and interesting enough, I think TV can usually do this pretty well. Um, there are a lot of TV shows where there, I get to a point where I'm like, I, I've been waiting for this. Like, I, I, I've been waiting mm-hmm. for this moment. And movies tend to have a more difficult time with that because there's more, there's a lot more time in between episodes mm-hmm. or in between installments, and you have to really get people invested in in multiple installments and have them really want something. But when you finally get that payoff, it hits really hard. What comes to mind is, um, and here's some spoilers for Avatar: The Last Airbender. If you don't want to listen to oh, this, no. skip ahead mm-hmm. 30 seconds. Um, but when, um, <laughs> no way, wait, a spot. they both took their headphones off. Yeah. I I'm not even going to say it now. Oh. Neither of you have watched Avatar. No, it's like, it's like very high on my list. I just got to get through DuckTales and, uh, hey, Rebel first. Eduardo, <laughs> how do we go back in time and vote them off the show? Okay. Oh, wait, hang on. No. What we're going to do after this podcast is we're going to start a new one where the two of you watch Avatar for the first time and we rewatch it with you. And then, oh my God, this is so great. Wait, we just did, did we just accidentally solve our next podcast? We just did dilemma? it, guys. We just did it. This is it. Yeah, I, I, I should I'm hold a thousand percent on board. I know I mentioned that to you guys a while ago that I, I regularly reference that all changed when the Fire Nation attacked despite not actually getting the reference. Dude, I'm so on board with this. You guys can watch Avatar in between the other shows you're watching. It'll be just like watching one of the MCU films. You can get six episodes of Avatar in for the time that you would be spending watching an MCU movie. (laughs) And that's like a third of one season. So we can do it in like 10 episodes. Yeah, it's very, very good. And I was going to make a whole reference, but I'm not going to make it. Basically, there's a point in in the show where something happens that I wanted to happen and then it happened. All right, Hooray! we talked about it. <laughs> hey, Eduardo here. Hey, Eduardo here. Actually, Look, my, like, uh, the only Avatar reference I know is that's rough, buddy. And that's a really weird one to know. <laughs> no, that's a good line, though. That's a really good line to know. I actually named my island in Animal Crossing Fire Nation. So <laughs> anytime I show up anywhere, I'm showing up from the Fire Nation. You're attacking. I'm attacking. Everything uh, was great until Eduardo from the Fire Nation arrived. <laughs> Uh, so yes, I think having things in installments is more difficult. It makes it more difficult for a movie, and only certain movies that have this sort of reverent fandom 
can achieve that, right? Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, the MCU, mm-hmm. only very certain ones can achieve it and not make it cheesy, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's really easy to have something like this and have somebody be like, aha, you see what we did? We did the thing we wanted, you guys wanted us to do. And it's really easy to sort of overcheese the the reference. Video games have this problem, I think, a lot. When they do mm. callbacks to prior video games, they tend to sometimes be a little bit too heavy-handed with the references to the original um, in their sequels. And so I think... Marvel does a really, really good job of doing these and doling them out to you in small pieces and not having them be one on top of the other and having them be impactful. What's your favorite non-Marvel one? Oh, man. Well, it was going to be one that I was going to talk about from Avatar The Last Airbender, and then I didn't. Well, let's keep it limited to movies. Movies. Sorry, just a weird side sidebar here but i think the yoda lightsaber is another one that i remember specifically yeah. from the from the theater um uh, i'm trying to think here garbage will do was a yes. good one in fourth the garbage will do yes. is one of my absolute favorite theatrical very... reactions because everyone in my theater yeah. felt the same way about that camera pan as i did uh-huh that was I thought that was really well done. I ra- I've, I've ragged on episode nine too much. I got to tell you that I like two out of three of the sequel movies. And I think Force Awakens is a lot of fun. And The Garbage Will Do is one of my favorite moments in that movie. Well, and Force Awakens <laughs> is one of those movies that I think some people could sometimes say it's heavy handed with its mm-hmm. references. But... Uh, and, and it is in some ways. Sure. But I almost don't mind as much as that one. Right. We come from a camp of people who all really enjoy theme parks and enjoy theme park attractions. And all of that stuff is based off of experience, right? Mm-hmm. It is your experience on this attraction, not necessarily like, I care about the experience that I had on Splash Mountain. I don't really necessarily care about the story of Splash Mountain. And while it is fun, the story of Splash Mountain is there. Mm-hmm. What really makes it is my experience riding the attraction and yeah. having that experience there. This is my argument about video games, though, that you rejected. <laughs> yeah, but I don't care about the experience of Splash Mountain. <laughs> but Splash Mountain is also not The Last of Us or God of War. So I mean, you mean it, the it, story? You mean the story? Yeah, sure, I knew it. Exactly. I knew it too. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think the point being is that certain certain things you can get experience from, and I think Force Awakens is one of those. Mm-hmm. I remember vividly. I wasn't the biggest Star Wars fan before Force Awakens. I was like a moderate Star Wars fan. I watched all of the movies, but I was just like, okay. And then I watched Force Awakens, and I feverishly became a Star Wars fan. Like, I needed to soak it up because I had such a good experience in the theater of everybody freaking out at all these different things. And there was all these lights and colors, and it was also fun. And it just, (laughs) it was just such a fun time that I just became obsessed at that point. Um, And I think the MCU can kind of capture that magic a lot of the time. An example of where I think it's actually heavy-handed is a... I will not hear Chris Larson's slander. I will not hear Sound Lord's slander. Edit that out. About (laughs) this. My name is Ben (laughs) Sam. I'm not hiding my peaches. (laughs) (laughs) I don't don't think my employer cares what I say about movies on the internet. I will not hear his slander about Rogue One, but I will say that Rogue One's references are at times heavy-handed. Like when... When yeah, I don't are, hear them you are you are exaggerating how I feel about Rogue One the way people exaggerate how Peaches feels about Jesus. <laughs> yes. <laughs> when now I'm like on Soundboard's side. I like Rogue One just fine. I just think that people who think it's the best Star Wars movie are very wrong. Um, well, you also think I'm wrong, and now I'm not on your side. <laughs> oh, well, I'm alone again. Stuff that, like, <laughs> so stuff okay. that, like when Doctor Evazin and Ponda Baba show up for like 
that no reason. It's crazy. just like, okay, you're this isn't really a payoff. You're just doing this to say, hey, look, it's a Star Wars movie. We have your Star Wars. Movie. Yeah, that one made me mad. I think that's where the movie kind of. I don't want to say lost me, but that was where I was like, and that okay, movie has some really kind of good movie. fan but, payoffs, but it also has some that are very like Darth Vader yes. scene. Have Pete, you just before you even before you even start, just because a movie has a good droid, does it make the movie good? I guess I won't start. <laughs> <laughs> that was going to be my example of a Peter payoff, though. Was the end of Rogue One. Oh, the Vader? The Vader. Oh, the Vader that, scene. Yeah, no, that's a good that cool. yes. Just like Mjolnir yeah, is a good yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah, bring it back to my Look at that full moment. circle. The well, full circle. Anytime you can get people with the Vader, the Vader, like, breathing, and this happened recently in a, in a video game, so we'll do spoilers for a sec because uh-huh. I know... Oh, no, I watched a whole, I watched okay, a whole set of videos about this the other day. Like literally yesterday, I was and just yeah, watching. At the very end of Jedi Fallen Order, Vader shows up, and he he shows up out of nowhere. You're like fighting this person, and then you finish the fight, and you're like talking with her, and as she's talking, smoke and like fog shows up behind her, and then you like at the very like corner of your ear can hear the beginning of the breathing, and it uh-huh. just like you're like heart yep. stops. You're like, oh my god. This is happening right now. And they do it so cool because they do it like a horror movie. Mm-hmm. Vader yes. is this sort of all-powerful villain. You know in um, in Crash Bandicoot where you're running away from the, like, boulder? And oh, no, I have levels, my headphones off. Those levels where you're running away from the boulder? <laughs> you haven't played Crash Bandicoot? You ruined the Crash Bandicoot <laughs> what, universe okay, for him. <laughs> the CCU. <laughs> Uh, so that's almost like what it's like. You're like basically trying to run away from Darth Vader, who is almost like a horror movie villain with how powerful mm-hmm. he is and can yeah. do literally whatever he wants and is just like uh-huh. throwing things everywhere and just it's very yes. cool. It's a pretty well. And I was ending. watching. Yeah. I watched a whole collection it, of reaction videos it. to that, just watching streamers playing it and like what you you can. And I'm watching their face, not the video, because as they start to hear the breathing, there's just this constant look of. <laughs> Okay. For those of you that can't see into the video, literally everyone shocked. (laughs) Another thing that made me do that, and this is another thing where I watch streamers reacting to see if I can catch where they where they notice it, was the Banjo Kazooie reveal for Super Smash Brothers when the jiggy bounced across the screen. I went (gasps) because I've been waiting for Banjo and Kazooie and Super Smash Brothers since Melee. so I like watching the streamer reactions to that and seeing the people go, what was that? And the, and the, and the real folks who get it and watch and go, who's a jiggy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, that seems to happen a lot now. And I've noticed it more fighting game character reveals tend to do that a mm-hmm. lot. I see a lot of reaction videos and smash does it really, really well. A lot yeah. of other fighting games like mortal Kombat just recently got RoboCop in there yeah. and watching people react and be like, RoboCop, what's happening. <laughs> um, they have and like so a hard on for the eighties over another realm. They do, yeah. which is not a bad thing. And Terminator and isn't Ash from Evil Dead like? So he's not, and they have been like in a contract dispute to try to get him in there for basically uh, forever. Really? A lot of okay. a lot of the oh, he'd make a great character in Mortal Kombat. A yeah. lot of people think Terminator was originally supposed to be Ash from Evil Dead, and is now Terminator because they weren't able to get the rights for Ash. Interesting. Hmm. I want a lot Ferris of the way a lot yeah, of the way I, I, the character I works. Mortal Kombat, but I I gotta say their guest character game is on point. 
Oh, they just released this big update that I'm going to play after we stop streaming because I'm going to be up all night because I work the shift now. Uh, where they released friendships again. Do you guys remember friendships? Yes. 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 Yeah. And they're all hilarious. Like um, Scorpion does like uh, his get over here and he pulls in a teddy bear and he hugs it. Um, <laughs> Jax breaks out a saxophone and just starts playing it and it's fantastic. It's all really good. Um, Sub Zero rolls out an ice cream cart. It's all really, really funny. That's awesome. We've got yeah, way wow. on track. Right, we are, <laughs> we are, we are Listen, last episode. Last episode, we had seventeen different tracks running in <laughs> all opposite directions. I mean, we're gonna have to try really hard. Well, I think that this tangent was a love letter uh, to the many. <laughs> To the second episode. I think it's interesting that in a lot of ways, oh this is God. like the the moment this entire podcast has been building towards, and this is where it went. Uh, <laughs> people yeah. have come to expect this from us, I believe. I, I choose so. to believe that. If you're yeah. still listening to us, you should... I don't know, I just don't think we now. have many nerds sure. listening to us. Do you think they skip through all this stuff, and they just go... They're like scratching their neck, wondering where the Marvel, the Marvel Coke is. I do that. I do that. The podcast. God, they're talking about Mortal Kombat right now. All the time. When I listen to podcasts. Oh, it's banter time, and let's just start jamming the fifteen second skip button. Yeah, but now uh, you're yes, doing, now the I'm doing the banter. How do you feel? <laughs> yeah, don't encourage people to do that. We gotta, we gotta get them off of the uh, Hawkeye crap. No, they're skipping commercials. They're listening okay, to the again, podcast. Let them listen to the part they want. <laughs> All right, back to action. Using Mjolnir, it's lightning and his shield in conjunction. Steve starts to beat Thanos silly, breaking his helmet and smacking him around the battlefield. A desperate Thanos is eventually able to knock Mjolnir out of Roger's hand and starts to beat against his shield, breaking off chunks of it before knocking a battered Captain America away. Thanos pauses and explains the Cap's conquest of planets was never personal, but because of Earth's defiance, he was going to enjoy ravaging the planet before setting the before resetting the galaxy. Now, mm-hmm. Robbie, <coughs> excuse me. Edward <laughs> <laughs> so, just had his physical. <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> so you like moments in this movie? There, there. You have you said you have few regrets Very about few. this film. Except for two small f- pieces of fan service yes. you hope for, and did you think this was going to be one of them? I absolutely thought one of them was coming right here, and I'm I'm sure that um, you and Soundlord agree with me since I'm pretty sure you both have read it. But I absolutely so in the original Infinity Gauntlet comic, there is a fantastic exchange between Captain America and Thor, um, where Thor is starting to start. Thanos. Yeah, Thanos, Thanos, one of those th people. Yes, there's an exchange between Captain America and Thought where um, then it's it's become iconic for comic books and is some some great Captain America characterization that absolutely fits with MCU Captain America. But Thanos has basically knocked out all the heroes and Captain America stands up against him and, uh, you know, Thanos is celebrating. Captain America says, as long as one man stands against you, you'll never be able to claim victory. Thanos responds with noble sentiments from one who is about to die. Captain America responds with, um, I lived my life by those sentiments and they're well worth dying for. And Thanos says, and so they shall. It never even entered my mind that he was not going to say that as this sequence seems to be clearly leading towards the entire feel of the sequence completely matches that conversation. These characters completely fit with that conversation. And it's 
you know, the Scarecrow is in this movie and so many other things are in this movie. I absolutely thought we were going to get the, that exchange um, with, for great fan service and because it fits the film. And so I'm honestly kind of shocked they didn't. And it's like my one regret of this movie. Or I kind of have two, but this one's a little more serious is that they didn't fit that in when it just seems to fit perfectly. And I'm shocked they didn't. And I've also never heard them mention if they thought about it. They, they I mean, they brought Hulk holding up a mountain from Secret Wars, so they clearly, and there's so many other reasons, the Russos clearly understand what they're doing, clearly understand and have a lot of reverence, reverence for the source material and brought in so many big stuff, and yet one of the most iconic parts of Infinity Gauntlet, they didn't, even though they really set it up perfectly to fit. And so I'm honestly kind of shocked it's not there um, and, and a little bit disappointed, which being disappointed in this movie is, you know, praising with faint damnation because i think it's actually a damn near perfect action movie uh but this is actually one of my regrets um and then also i just really 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 wanted i became so in love with comic book ne with film nebula um and i actually am not hugely in love with comic book nebula i love her arc in infinity gauntlet but i don't care that much about comic nebula but i fell in love with film nebula and so i got really excited about wanting her to have her moment like infinity gauntlet where she put she gets the gauntlet she puts on the gauntlet and she gets to, this is the part I really wanted to see. She returns herself to what she was before Thanos' torture and gets to see that moment. And I really wanted that too. That one would be a little harder to fit in. The conversation between Captain America and Thanos, that, that's easy. I think all three of you know exactly where that would have gone in this movie. Nebula putting on the gauntlet is a little bit weird and opens up some other can of worms. So while I'm disappointed that wasn't in there, that one I kind of get, but I'm... I'm shocked that Captain America, as long as one man stands against you, line didn't make it in. Yeah, I also would have loved to have seen it. The only reason I could think of for them not doing it is that maybe maybe they thought that it would have slowed things down just a bit too much before the the next moment mm -hmm. that happens, which is the big crowd pleasing moment yeah. of the movie. So, I, I I could see them thinking that oh you know it's. I mean, we get that incredible shot yes. of yes. Captain America on the left side of the screen and the entire army of Thanos on the right side of the screen, which was my work desktop wallpaper mm -hmm. for a long time. That's such a good shot. <laughs> After that movie. Uh, it's a great shot. It, it, it's it's really well done. And that's where it would have gotten. But but I guess I can, I can understand the argument, maybe. And, I, and again, I don't know if this is what they were, were thinking, but stopping to have a dialogue exchange across the battlefield and then following it up with the yes. cap on your left. That might've been, might've just slowed right. things down just a bit more than they wanted to and detracted from that moment. That's, that's the only yep. thing I could think of not having, not ever getting to see what it would have looked like with that in there. I don't know if that's the case or not, but maybe that was yeah, possible. It really were. does feel like they shaped the movie for it to be there. And then it wasn't there. Like, Yeah. I had not read the Infinity Gauntlet comic until after I had seen these two movies. So I wouldn't have had the the knowledge to be upset <laughs> about this part. But you talking about this immediately made me think of the ending of the, the eighth Harry Potter film. Uh, where I thought that the, the exchange that, that Harry and Voldemort have before their final battle in the books is literally the most powerful exchange of dialogue in the whole series. Um, about just being good and and etc cetera, etc cetera. and they just like jump into each other's face and and fall off a cliff and it was like it was like 
one of the most disappointing things that I felt should have been a one-to-one translation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I understand that. Um, also, though, if you if you wanted a real one-to-one translation, you'd have to incorporate Iron Man getting ripped in half and Thor getting turned to glass and then shattered. Well, so to be clear, I don't want a one-to-one. Uh, cor- maybe that's the exchange. <laughs> to be clear, I really did not want a one-to-one correlation. I just really wanted that line in there. <laughs> Iron Man being ripped in half was one of the more surprising deaths. I'm sorry if I just ruined that comic eh. for anybody, but you should have read it already. Um, it was, <laughs> was one of the more work. surprising deaths of all of the people that Who all those that superheroes suff- that died. Suffocated in, in a cube placed on their head. Oh gosh, that one's oh, also that one's also harsh. I think it's a big hero. Oh, was it was it Wanda? Why am I no. thinking Wanda? I'm probably wrong. I'm pretty sure it's a dude. Okay. Uh... I'm looking it up. I'm looking it up. I just want to say, while we have a moment, Peaches, I 100% agree with you about the uh, Harry Potter thing. Yeah. I yeah, thought that title battle was so Potter, disappointing not... compared, to the, uh, compared to the book. It was Cyclops. Oh, okay. right. He was, yep. he was trying to beam out of it, and he couldn't. Yep. You mean trying to access the punch dimension with his eyes to get out of it? Oh yeah, I'm sorry. The quantum punch dimension. <laughs> anyway, and man, I mean, it's it's not even really a nitpick because it's not even something. I don't even think it's like a flaw with the movie. I think it's more like one of the few personal disappointments I have with a movie that is actually one of the most pleasing things I've ever seen. Yeah, I think uh, perfection is hard to achieve fully, and so there's got to be at least one or two things that you wish were done differently in an otherwise, you know, a perfect movie. Mm-hmm. So the massive army of the Black Order begins to arrive on the surface. Captain America struggles painfully to his feet and stands alone against the overwhelming odds. Preparing to go down fighting, Steve gets a call on his earpiece. Captain, Captain, do you read me? Captain, this is Sam. Can you hear me? On your left. And then people screamed again. And then people screamed again. (laughs) Eduardo, it's Angela. Can you hear me? On your left. Thor's beautiful braided beard. Is that a lady sound that I hear? It is. Oh my goodness. Hi, Angela. Hi. Welcome to Endgame. How are you? Well. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It pretty much sums it up for the world we're living in right now. (laughs) Your lack of words says a thousand words. That was good. Okay, but I do so, have all the words about this movie, so. Yeah, it's there's a lot to unpack. Um, but I just want to say thank you for joining us uh, on the battlefield here, as it, as it is. Um, but also, further, thank you for joining us on this podcast. Um, glad you got to come back and, and give us your thoughts on Endgame. And we enjoyed having you on the podcast. Thank you. Um, and... We're gonna we're gonna keep you in mind for some further works that we don't know yet. Oh boy, keep a, me in mind. 
<laughs> yeah, we've got you penciled in, is what I'm saying. Okay, right. we'll have our people call your people. Okay, so I don't need to send in my headshot or anything. <laughs> no, you can, but send it to your husband in the mail. <laughs> It'll be funny. Okay, so what I want to ask you is, um, before we get into this this battle, we want to know, um, from your perspective, what has the MCU meant to you? Um, we've come a long way here. And like I said, a lot to unpack, but this is, you know, the culmination of all these movies is here in Endgame. So what has the MCU meant to you? And is there anything uh, before we, we get into the big portal battle that you want to say just in general about it? Well, I guess the first thing that came to mind when I was thinking about this was so cheesy. And it was what the MCU has meant to me as friendship. <laughs> <laughs> I like that you I like that you said it that way. So many friendships. But really, I <laughs> it was kind of quite honestly, and he's probably already talked about this, but that was kind of one of my first connections with Chris Soundlord um was through Captain America because we met kind of around the time Winter Soldier was about to come out and we both were big fans. And I kind of picked up on how obsessed he was like with Marvel as a whole. And even though I liked the movies up to that point, I wasn't really like obsessed per se just yet. Um, But seeing him and then like all of our coworkers and everybody was so hype about it and going to midnight premieres for the movies coming out. And they kind of got me into that as well. And being a part of this kind of, I don't know, moment in our, in pop culture with everyone was really cool. And um, yeah, just, I mean, cheesy as it sounds, I feel like it's kind of what's strengthened or built relationships with people. No, I don't think that sounds cheesy at all. Day. Yeah. I, I can relate to that. And I don't, I don't think it's cheesy at all. It, I mean, I was there with you when all this stuff kind of happened with all the people around us. So like, mm-hmm. I feel that too, you know? Yeah. Plus, um, also what the MCU did was kind of fill this void um, for me of having a franchise to kind of obsess over and have fun with because it had been a long time since the last Lord of the Rings came out. That was something I was really into and it had been a long time since the last Star Wars movie had come out because I don't, you know, uh, Force Awakens hadn't come out yet at that point when I kind of got into Marvel. And Harry Potter, I have mixed feelings about those movies anyway, even though I did have fun with them, you know, with friends and stuff, but it kind of, it wasn't the same. And this, oh, yeah. this was just so much fun and it was just so great, like learning these new stories and learning about these new characters. To me, they were new because I've never read comics. Sure. Um, yeah. And yeah, it was just so much fun and just such a great kind of escape from <laughs> real life. <laughs> Did you have that did you have that rabbit hole syndrome too where like you'd see a character in one of these movies and you go, Okay, now I have to know everything about them from the comics? Truthfully, no. Okay. I know you did that. Bad guess. And I know you've <laughs> done that. Um Bailey does it too. Yeah. I used to be that way with Star Wars, like old school that way in terms of I would get like every book that I could have not not like literature type books but like I would get these like 
encyclopedia kind of visual encyclopedias and i'd like encyclopedia sorry right sorry (laughs) (laughs) and i would read up on all the characters and i'd become familiar with the types of weapons and things to do with you know the costumes and all of that and the filmmaking as well like so that was that was more my obsession was that kind of thing um and it didn't really as much as i love marvel it didn't that didn't really carry over i didn't really do a lot of outside research with marvel that's fair i mean it's not necessary i was just curious yeah no it's happened in the past but it just didn't this time for some reason gotcha well that's cool that's that's an important thing bringing people together and it's um it's very telling that it meant a lot to you and chris based on your wedding yep (laughs) So you so you'd say that the MCU is mildly important to you. It is just in a way, a smidge, <laughs> a soupçon, as the French would say. Wouldn't that start with that starts with a B, right? Sorry, a boopson. <laughs> a boopson. Okay, cool. So do you? I, I've I've heard you've got uh, you've got an epiphany about Endgame, and also you may want to touch on some Black Widow stuff. Hit me with this knowledge. Yes. So um, something that occurred to me when thinking over Endgame as a whole, I don't remember if this actually occurred to me when I saw it in the theater, but it might have, um, which is that this was Cap's story all along. And by this, I mean the MCU, which I know sounds like a lot because obviously we have uh. other stories thrown in there. You know, obviously everything started with Iron Man in terms of film release. Everything started with Iron Man and you've got separate stories in there for Captain Marvel and Black Panther and Guardians and stuff. But just thinking of the overall Avengers arc, um, he's just, the way that he's connected to everything, he's connected to the Starks from Howard Stark. He's kind of, in a way, from the first Cap movie, he's connected to Thor because of the Tesseract, which came from Tonsberg, Norway. True. Um, And he's connected to the Hulk because the Hulk experimented on himself to try to emulate this super soldier serum and it failed um he's connected to shield because of peggy and howard and by proxy then he's kind of connected to natasha and clint that way and the first avengers movie i felt like was largely about him um it was about him adapting to a new time period and meeting everyone and there were moments in that movie where i felt like what he was seeing was what the audience was seeing. Like we were kind of seeing these things through his perspective. Like when he first steps onto the helicarrier, like, and he's kind of say helicarrier too loud. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Sorry, That, that ship of boring uh, conference rooms. (laughs) Eduardo's ears will perk up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But he's like in awe of it, you know, for some reason. And, and that's kind of what the audience is meant to feel. And sure, he wasn't in Infinity War much, but still everything's been kind of ramping up of like, you know, what's Cap going to do? What's going to happen with Peggy or what's going to happen with his niece? (laughs) 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 Um, But he got Sharon. (laughs) Um, Just like with Iron Man, he got three movies, you know, obviously his first movie and then Winter Soldier and Civil War. I don't think of Civil War as an Avengers movie. I think of it as a Cap movie. Um, and then in Endgame, I kind of felt like we were back to seeing these things through his eyes. Um, the big moment of that for me was like 
at the very beginning when they get on the spaceship and after Rocket says, okay, raise your hand if you've never been to space before. <laughs> and then the ship takes off and to like light speed or whatever. And we see like Cap's eyes kind of widen, like, oh, you know, and you, it, oh, yeah. It, yeah. And it hits you. You're like, wow, this is this dude from like World War II, you know, time period. And now he's in space. Like, <laughs> He thought huh. he probably thought he saw crazy stuff before this, but that was nothing compared to he's literally in space, like traversing the galaxy. And and that's a big deal. And I felt like even though we'd already seen, you know, Guardians movies and other things that had space involved, it was kind of a new realization for me as a viewer all over again, seeing his reaction to space. Like his reaction to space is probably how all of us would feel <laughs> in that. Oh, position. yeah. Absolutely. And then I'd definitely be wearing a diaper for reasons that I will not get into. <laughs> Same. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, and then, um, I don't know, just seeing how far he's come and, and the fact that right after that scene, he pulls out the little, you know, Peggy. Um, the little uh, amulet thing. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's like supposed to be a stopwatch or just like a like a necklace with one of the like a window in it or like. It's something. It's something. I, I always think of it as a stopwatch. I don't know why. It's either a stopwatch or a compass because he uses it like in war. <laughs> yeah, probably um, better to have a compass then. <laughs> yeah. So the fact that he pulls that out and you're like, man, how far he's come, you know, like he's in freaking space right now, and freaking freaking. And then obviously the movie culminates to this standoff between him and Thanos and he's all alone on that little cliff he's standing on. Maybe it's not a cliff, but <laughs> whatever he's standing on, he's looking out and it's this like beautiful shot. That shot is so gorgeous of him facing the entirety of Thanos's army alone. Mm-hmm. And then obviously everyone else shows up, but still that was, that was such a big moment. And then we have the, the wrap of, of the entire thing is him and Peggy getting back together. That's what wraps up this movie is that reunion. And it just feels like that reunion is what we've been waiting for this whole time. And that was kind of the heart and soul of, of this story. That so. is like a 17 movie payoff. Mm -hmm. Like I, like I, I don't have any, any way to argue with this right now because i i personally have viewed it as uh as a tony story from start to finish but like very valid arguments that i i have no rebuttal for and will choose not to rebut um because i didn't think about some of those things like the the space reflected in in um cap's eyes is definitely really cool and yeah the whole the whole movie just end capping hat pun intended <laughs> Got him with with he and and Skipper Carter. <laughs> that's you. Um, no, I I I think that's a that's a good insight. Thanks. I, you don't you don't need my approval. I just am telling you that it is a good insight. <laughs> I appreciate that. I know I need some approvals on this on this uh, squad, but no, not for me. <laughs> We, we've, we matched up correctly here. Do you not require my approval for anything? Or validation. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, so we're running. We're running. We got a few minutes left here. Uh, let me stumble upon my words and add more time to this. Um, 
what's what's going on with Nat? What are your what are your feelings on Nat? Basically, I agree with some stuff that's been said, which is I I wanted it to be Hawkeye because he's boring. <laughs> and <laughs> and he did a lot of shitty stuff, you know, leading up to this because of I guess anger over his family being uh blipped. But I a lot of people lose stuff and they don't do what he did. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's like, at first I understood why they chose her, but then, especially when someone said it, I forget who said it, but like, I thought about it and I'm like, just cause she doesn't have a family, that doesn't mean she should automatically be the one to go. Like why, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And yep. it's not to say that she doesn't have a family because a theme of this movie was that she had finally found a family in mm -hmm. her friends in the Avengers. And also, why has it got to be two main female characters that get sacrificed for this dang stone? Right, in the same way, but two in the like same way. <laughs> two very strong female characters that could lead a movie if they wanted to, and yeah. one of them is. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I agree with you. I, I, you know, we did share our feelings on Hawkeye earlier in the episode, and it really could have gone either way, but hearing you say that right now just took me back to the scene where rocket and thor when thor is breaking down on asgard and he mm -hmm. slap and rocket slaps him and says like we all lost something right like get it together like if you think of it that way yeah hawkeye we all lost something dude stop murdering people yeah like why does he get a pass right you know? i just is it because he got tattoos and has his his <laughs> his man bun i don't know and she is it barely... because he's got the the Hawkeye app and everyone's using the Hawkeye app. <laughs> <laughs> and she barely got a funeral. And I know you guys touched on that, you know, and I didn't even actually, I don't even know if I really thought about it that hard until you guys brought it up. But like, all she gets is them kind of sitting by the pond and being like sad. And Tony gets a whole funeral with like everyone and their mom showing up. And yeah, I get it because he's the one who started us off with everything. Like he's probably still arguably the most popular Avenger and film release wise, he was the first, but it just still, yeah, he saved everyone, but he couldn't have done that if Nat hadn't sacrificed herself to get that stone in the first place. Yeah. Um, so it's just kind of too bad to me that, you know, she dies and it's like, well, we got to move on and, get this get this done but when he dies it's this whole thing and i i know they have like time to do that because the war's over but still kind of yeah. sucks but well <laughs> well i guess i guess we'll see what happens right because we've got black widow coming out who the hell knows when um right. and maybe something will happen there or maybe it will be a true just sort of uh not necessarily an origin story but yeah. I don't know if it's just going to be more of a side story, if it's going to lead to something or, you know, maybe in the future they'll, they'll do the comic book thing where they bring her back somehow and it makes no sense. And we all have to go, why doesn't this make any sense? But we're, <laughs> we're happy about it in the long run. Who knows? Who knows? But, uh, but that's, that's all we got, I think. So Angela, thanks again for, for joining us here today sure. and for joining us on the podcast. And um, we're looking forward to doing more stuff with you here in the future. Me too. Thanks. Woo. Hey, Eduardo. Uh, I found Cody over here. Um, Cody, thanks for being on this uh, really important episode. Just wanted to ask you, um, 
here we are at the end of uh, virtually the end of the MCU. We know it's going to continue on, but this is kind of the culmination of all the events we've seen. What sort of, what are your thoughts and what has the MCU meant to you at this moment um, when you were watching this movie? Well, I can just say that after going through the entire MCU up to this point, I don't think cinema will ever be the same. Uh, I think what the MCU has done up to this point and moving further beyond this is what hasn't been done before, frankly, and it's brought a whole new whole new world of what movie watching actually means and what it means to put something on the silver screen. And it's really just, it's changed so much for the better. You know, now we, we hardly can remember the time that we didn't have superheroes on screen that every other year now. And so that's what the MCU has done is really just brought most of the, the heroes we came we grew up loving and then also the obscure heroes and just have made them just a part of our, our everyday lives sitting in our house and sitting in the movie theaters. And it's changed, I think, cinema for the better. And it's going to keep getting bigger and better. And I'm excited for the future that it end, uh, ends up bringing to us. So you talk about the future. Um, we know that obviously with this film, we're losing Black Widow and Captain America and Iron Man. Do you find yourself still interested in the future of the MCU without those characters? Oh, absolutely. I think it's, it's interesting to move forward without them, but I'm excited for the, the relative unknowns, especially moving into phase four, um, bringing the likes of the Eternals in the, for the first time. And because a long time ago, we thought that once the guardians of the galaxy were too obscure to make, yeah, a movie. that's true. We didn't think that you could make an Ant-Man movie. You didn't think that anybody would care about Black Widow or Hawkeye. You just needed you needed the big guys. You needed the big names. But the MCU has shown us that, you know what? We can make these obscure characters that people really may not have ever heard about. Or if you heard about them, it was just in a long lost set of comic books that you read a long time ago when you were a kid. Now, those are household names. And, you know, with the next phase moving forward, the big heavy hitters are those obscure characters, you know, Dr. Strange and Wanda and vision. And then the head, the heavy he- the headliners like black widow, and then ultimately Thor by the end of 2021. And he's, he's obviously one of the big hitters, but you know, it's without the main guys like Iron Man and Captain America and, and black widow, there's still so much there to learn. And then the way I see it, there's just more characters for us to ultimately fall in love with. And, find new new favorites to have and it's just going to keep getting better i think Hmm. i guess that's convincing that makes a lot of sense what are you most excited about oh man what am i most excited about i think the potential of disney plus the the series that we're going to get falcon and winter soldier specifically very excited about um i think being able to hang around in the mcu more than just two two and a half hours um, as much fun as it is to go to the theaters and see those big releases that we always look for in game being, you know, very much that, that quintessential ultimate movie to watch. There's nothing I've seen that's been like that, but I look forward to what the, the, the streaming platforms can bring to us. Now we can spend an hour a week in that world with these characters, learning more from them, getting to, getting to really feel, know them a little better than what can be portrayed in just, you know, a two and a half hour movie or so. And I think that's going to just ultimately just expand the universe even more and more. And I'm excited to, the the directions they can go with that. All right. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll buy into that. I'm pretty excited about the, uh, 
about WandaVision myself. But hey, Cody, um, thanks so much. We want to thank you. I, I know I speak for everyone. When thanks for being a part of this podcast, um, for everything you've contributed, both the people have heard and has been behind the scenes. And thank you for being here for this episode. This is a big deal for us. It's my pleasure. Always, always fun to be here. I'm glad to assemble with you all. Cool. I am here with Danny. Hi, Danny. How are you? Hey, Eduardo. Doing all right? How are you? Danny. Oh, I'm doing fantastic. Thank That's you for asking, sir. You're welcome. Uh, we're talking you. all. About... <laughs> Thank you. We're talking all about Endgame. Uh, we wanted to bring you back because we wanted to hear your thoughts. See if you had any thoughts about Endgame, and um, yeah, let's hear them. Well, I am sure that most things I could say are already being said during this very episode, uh, if not already in previous episodes. So I am just going to say I liked it a lot. It was a great uh, culmination of the previous 11 years of the MCU. Uh, But I would like to focus on one particular scene, uh, which is actually the highlight of the movie um, when uh, Ant-Man is eating a taco and it blows away and he's sad. But then Hulk comes with another taco and it's very nice. Well, yeah, it's nice that they put in that little sense of realism into the movie, because if my taco was blown away, I'd be really sad. Yeah. But if somebody else then brought me another taco, I'd then be happy again. Yeah, exactly. It's, it reminds you that these these are humans, uh, more or less. I mean, Nebula walked by uh, right before that, so she's not human. But um, uh, most of them are. Yeah. <laughs> um. Uh. And so did you have any feelings about Endgame as a whole, just as far as um, Endgame and the MCU as a whole together, uh, especially at this point? Like, did you have any memories of like seeing it when you, or when you first saw it in theater or anything like that? Uh, Endgame specifically, you mean? Yeah, Endgame specifically. And then like as far as the MCU as a whole, like at this point, how you felt about the MCU after watching Endgame? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I remember um, seeing Iron Man in theaters with my brother may have talked about this previously uh when i was on before i don't really remember uh but i remember seeing that one in theaters and really enjoying it and then to think back on that memory now having gone through the whole saga up to even past endgame at this point but just seeing how those characters that were introduced over a decade ago evolve and got to this point it's really it's Really cool. Uh, I haven't seen anything like that before, really. And um, I don't know, it was quite the journey. Uh, but yeah, I remember seeing Endgame. I, I uh, was actually thinking about this the other day for some reason, not in relation to the podcast, but I, I was trying to remember when I saw it. I saw it on uh, the day it was released, I guess that Thursday evening. Uh, I went to see it with a few friends and we went to Chipotle afterwards. And I remember talking about that taco scene specifically because we're at chipotle um but yeah it was in the people i saw it with and i we all enjoyed it and talk kind of i think we probably talked about our history of seeing those movies as well because it really it it, obviously it's continuing and spider-man has already come out you know the direct follow-up to endgame but it really did feel like the end of something um although they are going to continue making movies forever, I think. In perpetuity. 
Yeah. As long as there is a world, there will be Marvel movies. <laughs> so, yeah, maybe not in perpetuity, but that's okay. Right. Maybe, especially at this point, oh, who knows? Yeah, maybe another year. <laughs> yeah, I um, I feel like it's it, it was an event, right? And it's like yeah. one of those things that I don't know if we'll get again in our lifetime. We'll probably get in again in our lifetime, but I don't know if we'll be as involved into it. But this was like like the one of the major life events that just yeah. like happened, like just something that like captivated the world. And it's so interesting to hear people's perspective on it, especially people like you and people like Bailey, um, who um, some of, some of us are like very into the MCU and some of us are just like, yeah, I'll go watch the movies. And then, you know, you kind of see what their perspective is on this whole MCU thing that everybody's been watching. I mean, it's, it's interesting to think about how, people probably didn't know who Captain America was. And now it's like a household name. Yeah. Like everybody knows Steve. Right. <laughs> I will say I'm glad that uh, Endgame did come out in a pre-coronavirus world. Right. Because, I agree. I mean, it's you've seen these videos of and like audio clips of this was what my theater was like on opening night when the portals opened up. It's just like, yeah, woo, woo. And hollering and it's like it's it truly was an event of like everybody in the theater especially if you're going to a like a midnight release or a pre-midnight right. like you know that those are the big fans so maybe it's not that way up in new hampshire where you are but i think it was uh, that way like a little bit but it wasn't like like that a lot yeah not like an orlando theater right an orlando theater would have gone crazy all the yeah there. <laughs> but yeah i mean the fact that you even get a little bit of that out in who knows where it's uh it's pretty special yeah absolutely hey look bailey's here hey it's... through a portal <laughs> hey it's me yeah uh, didn't see that coming well, well welcome welcome to uh welcome to our end game episode i am happy to be invited for this uh, ambitious crossover it is the most ambitious crossover in podcast history. Uh, most ambitious internal crossover in podcast started by a few friends with a moderate size following history, at least. <laughs> we've gotten to the final battle now uh, through our as we've as we've walked through the story of Avengers Endgame, and we're here at the final battle when characters from throughout the MCU come together to make their final stand against Thanos and the Black Order and all of his army. And there is one scene in particular uh, that we will talk about a little bit later uh, amongst amongst the other guys, but, but while I have you here, I'm curious, what are your thoughts on the big scene in the final battle when all of the female heroes of the Marvel Universe come together uh, to uh, assist Captain Marvel in getting the Infinity Gauntlet across the... Uh, the battlefield i'm glad you asked chris because i have a lot of thoughts on that scene um Excellent. and when you guys invited me back for this and we were told to pick like one point that we really wanted to talk about i knew right away that this was the scene that i wanted to talk about um because it was very controversial and it ended up getting a lot more attention after the movie than i thought it would and thought it needed to because it's such a small scene to be honest like in this three-hour movie um, but it took up a lot of the conversation after the fact um, 
So I guess the two sides of it are that some people thought that it was pandering um, and tacky and didn't do enough. And then some people really enjoyed the scene. Um, I definitely think it is pandering because all of the women happen to gather in the same spot of the battle all at once. Um, but I, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Um, as a woman, sometimes I want to be pandered to in a, <laughs> uh, in this comic book series that's dominated by male characters. Um, and I did some research on, there were a lot of think pieces written about this and the writers of Endgame kind of like defended themselves after the fact. And, they talked about the fact that they put a lot of thought into this scene beforehand. And there was a lot of conversation about it um, because some of the think pieces talked about how Marvel was saying like, um, Oh, here it is. Here's the women scene that everyone wanted. Or like um, people were acting like Marvel thought they like solved feminism with this scene. Um, and I think that's where people got upset about it because they were thinking like, Oh, Marvel is giving us this like, one minute clip of women and now all the women should be happy. And I don't think that's what they mm -hmm. were doing. I think they just wanted to have a nice moment um, for female fans. And so the writers talked about, there was a lot of conversation. They were trying to decide if it was delightful or pandering. Um, <laughs> and people did think that it was pandering, but it was so delightful. They just couldn't get rid of it. And I think that's how I feel about it as well. Yeah. Yeah, you can't you can't look at it as as a cure all as we've done it we've we've we've, <laughs> we've solved feminism we're here uh, any more than you can say well we gave the director a cameo where he mentions going on a date with a man we have representation guys which seems to be a thing lately especially especially with Disney where they make moments that nod at representation that is easily cut out for the Chinese market. So, <laughs> you know, yeah, and, and, and at least they weren't like publicly patting themselves on the back about this one. Like, hey, look, we have this scene with all the women. It was well, they weren't saying anything about what was happening in the movie. So they let everyone go and experience it. And I remember my, my initial thought, and I won't talk about what I think too much was that it was like, well, Captain Marvel doesn't need the help, but I like crossovers. So this is this is fun. It's fine. Um but yeah, no, it's uh, it's interesting. I'm glad we we could get your perspective on it. It's, there are certainly a lot of perspectives out there. Yeah, like the scene, it definitely is a little weird. Like Captain Marvel doesn't need help, but like from the moment the like on your left um, scene happened, like the entire like last part of that movie, I just like was like a constant stream of tears was flowing yeah. <laughs> and then when that happened it was just I don't know it made me feel nice that's it like and I get why people don't like it and like I think the criticisms are valid but I don't think they were trying to do anything revolutionary with it I think they just wanted to have this nice little moment and I thought it was nice and yeah, I, I guess if you think about it any of those character pairings that they have throughout this battle where it's like oh these two characters are going to team up now it all could feel forced they just wanted to get as many characters together as they could and this in particular they have all these great female heroes none of whom besides captain marvel had had their own movie at that point uh i guess the wasp sort of co-headlined the movie but you know, they had this is going to be the only chance they could to get all these people together unless they 
do something in the future. So why not do it? I agree. I think it was delightful, as the writer said. Yeah, so I'll, I'm, I'm glad. It's, uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm delighted by it, too. So you don't have to think too hard about about what's happening in the movies, I think. Just I'm not a proponent for turning your brain off, but sometimes you should just enjoy something that's enjoyable. I agree, because after the movie, I also like didn't really... If you unpack the time travel, and I know you guys talked about it, it just it doesn't make any sense to me. So I think it's yeah. better off if we just don't think about it and just accept what they told us. Yeah. I was like, all right, those are their rules. That's fine. It doesn't have to, I mean, time travel isn't real yet that we know of. Although, is there such thing as yet when it comes to time travel? Uh, that hurts my head to think about. Yeah, yeah my brain just melted a little bit. All right, uh, moving on. Uh, so, Endgame as a whole, did you enjoy it? How, do, how does it fit in with your uh, thoughts about the, the MCU? Um... So my thoughts about Endgame were kind of similar to Infinity War. I didn't go in expecting anything. I was like, there's no way this could work. There's just too many things that need to happen. There's too many plot points that need to wrap up, too many characters. Um, so I didn't go in with any expectations of what the movie would be. Um, I am like a big fan, obviously, but I just like I didn't spend a lot of time thinking about what it was going to be. And it also came out around the same time as the Game of Thrones uh, series finale right, right. so i was really mostly thinking about game of thrones and obsessing about that and i was like you know what in game will be whatever it is it can't be any worse than what's happening here um, <laughs> <laughs> i know you have strong feelings about the game of thrones finale <laughs> yeah and people talk about how hard it is to wrap up such um a long-running thing like game of thrones and then at the same time in game came out and i think in game does a really good job wrapping up uh the whole MCU up to this point and it's really interesting as a fan that they both came out at the same time to see like such positive response to Endgame and such negative response to um, Game of Thrones because they both started around the same time as well right I think so yeah yeah uh, like roughly Game of Thrones went for eight, eight seasons not not all consecutive years so yeah probably around the same time yeah, and I think Endgame does a great job wrapping up most things. Um, I didn't think Black Widow was a perfect uh, wrap-up, but you yeah. guys get into that as well. But no, I really enjoyed Endgame. I think it did everything I wanted it to do, which I didn't have anything I wanted it to do. I just wanted it to be a good time, and it was. Yeah, uh, and endings are a lot of writers and filmmakers and you know and and a lot of media say that endings are the hardest thing to do and we've seen a lot of high profile endings in pop culture over the past few years and i think endgame is my favorite of them no i definitely agree especially yeah. thinking back to like how st how star wars just ended as well you I said it not me for once it wasn't <laughs> me who brought it up uh <laughs> Thank you. I, I just prefer to never bring it up and never <laughs> talk about it. It's a dangerous thing to bring up sometimes. But no, there's a lot of ways you can mess up a really big uh, fandom and like wrap it up and Endgame did it right, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And it left enough room for things to go forward with future movies, but also was 
conclusive enough that it was satisfying. It, it, a lot of people say that Marvel movies are always setting up the next one, setting up the next one. And this one didn't, it was like, let's, let's finish the story. Let, let's do it. And, and it was all the better for it, I think. And it was also the shortest three-hour movie I've ever watched. Yes, seriously. I still don't believe, I, even though I've watched it numerous times, I've watched it numerous times and it's three hours. And that doesn't make, that is not a thing I would normally do. I, I'm, Angela will tell you, I am terrible at sitting down to watch movies. <laughs> so the fact that this one flies by in a little over three hours is just really impressive. No, the other like recent three-hour movie I've watched was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and that was the longest three-hour movie I've ever oh, really? watched. <laughs> I still haven't seen it. I didn't realize it was that long. Yeah, it's three hours, and there's not a plot for most of it. <laughs> <laughs> but this one, like the pace is so quick, but it's not like too quick. Like Star Wars, uh, Rise of Skywalker, like you're just trying to keep up with what's going on. But I think this flows very well too. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like Rise of Skywalker, if it had been three hours long, it still wouldn't have fixed the things that I hated about the story, but at least it would have given it a little bit more room to breathe. So maybe it would have been a better thing. Maybe it wouldn't have been. I don't know. Yeah. And then there's the Snyder Cut that's coming out that's going to be like four and a half hours long. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's for a different podcast. Uh, you brought it up, so I do want to ask real quick, is there anything you wanted, to, any thoughts that you wanted to say about black widow's death so it does make sense that she's the one that died but it is it's just so lame that it had to be her the only female character and that we are getting a movie that we should have already gotten um it just feels like it's a little too late for that especially like because did we need thor the dark world like did thor need that movie and she doesn't even have one movie yet. Right. Um, and her funeral was just very quiet. And I get why it had to work out that way for the plot of the movie. But it still was just a bummer. Like, I wish they could have done more. Yeah. No. I, I think that that's pretty similar, I think, what our, our thoughts were. But I just wanted to get you on the record. <laughs> <laughs> Portals! Over Roger's left shoulder, a sling ring portal opens and Okoye walks through with two people who had been dusted in the snap, King T'Challa and his sister, Shuri. Black Panther nods to a visibly relieved Captain America who nods as Sam Wilson flies through the portal. Falcon flies over the battlefield as dozens of sling ring portals open over the horizon. Dr. Stephen Strange controlling a portal on Titan flies through, flanked by Mantis, Drax the Destroyer, Peter Quill, and finally, <laughs> Peter Parker. And this is another one where people freaked out in my theater. Yes. Uh-huh. Peter, mm-hmm. when, specifically when Peter Parker showed up. Yep. So my, my two big freakouts in the portal scene were Black Panther and Spider-Man. It just kind of kept going. It was, mm-hmm. it, it was, there was always an audible roar, but sometimes it was louder than others. Yep. Yep. I, and, I think the Spider-Man moment was like this crescendo and then it just kept going as, cause the Spider-Man reveal is like, you know, they all come out and it's kind of like this is Spider-Man there, is Spider-Man there. And then he like, there's a, there's a pregnant pause in the film before Spider-Man comes out. And then from there, it's just wall to wall stuff. Yeah. yeah. 
I remember specifically, well, I mean, T'Challa and Sherry being the first ones out and everyone loves T'Challa. That was big. And then Sam flying over after we've heard his voice. That was mm-hmm. big. And then, you know, there were pops for, uh, you know, like Peter Quill and everything. But yeah, when Spider-Man flung in, and I think it's because him, that one hurt the mm-hmm. most to watch mm-hmm. in Infinity War. And we've been waiting for, and we wanted everyone back, but we really wanted to see Spider-Man back. Same. Um, and then there was a big cheer for rescue because yeah, none of us same. saw that yes. coming. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not a cheer for Howard the Duck because uh, I think no one noticed him, but yeah, no, he's there. Not. <laughs> Another one not. that got a big cheer that we didn't talk about earlier is when Gamora shows up. The way they have Gamora show up when she saves Nebula earlier in the film. Oh yeah, um, that reveal got a lot of cheers too because she likes she saves Nebula and then kind of walks out of the light and it's. Uh-huh. With a rally cry started by their king, the massive army of Wakanda, including those led by M'Baku, begins flooding through several of the portals along with Groot and Bucky Barnes. Valkyrie leads the new Asgardian army through another portal along with Korg and Meek as Wanda Maximoff lands next to them. The Ravagers and Howard the Duck march through a portal on Contraxia <laughs> and are joined by Hope Van Dyne. Several members of Doctor Strange's order enters, showing they are using their sling rings to bring the heroes to the field, and Wong. Wong shows up. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thor Finally. and Tony Stark come to <laughs> as Pepper Potts lands in the rescue armor. Strange asks Wong if he brought everyone, which Wong responds to with exasperation. You wanted more? <laughs> Now, giant Ant-Man breaks out of the rubble with Rocket, Hulk, and Rhodey now sporting new armor in hand. The the massive group of heroes form ranks to a swelling Avengers score as Captain America, standing in front, calls Mjolnir and finally delivers on seven years of anticipation. Avengers, assemble. God. (laughs) That's... Uh, yeah, you've got the. And then Avengers, and the music stops. Assemble. War, uh, like, uh, Thor shouts, and then it goes right into the... <laughs> this was not oh. nominated for best original score right i was very upset about that that's there. that's insane i i don't think the criticism of the mcu's music is off base but alan Silvestri for endgame absolutely made an all-time film score yeah the the portals Chris... theme is is obviously already iconic and was amazing yeah, I, I remember when the nomination, I was very upset about the best original score category last year because I thought there were two movies where the climax of the movie was absolutely made by the score. And those were 
Avengers Endgame and Us, and neither one of them were nominated, and I was very upset about that. I got five on it. Also, this is is the moment that the Russos talk about on the commentary. They said they chose to make Assemble a quieter word because they thought that that was more interesting, but in hindsight, they realized that no one heard it because they were all screaming about Captain America grabbing the hammer again. That said, I don't know that I actually heard the word Assemble when I saw that movie, but I knew what he was about to say, and I knew he said it. So I think I I, it still maybe. I maybe had the optimal theater for that then because everybody kind of had one of those like, no, shh, shut up, shut up, shut up. Like right as he said Avengers, like everybody was like, no, wait. And then they started cheering. God, I don't don't remember where I saw it. In a theater. Yeah, I think there are definitely (laughs) plenty of theaters. Probably Springs. Yeah, in the town you and I live in, I think there are plenty of theaters where most of the audience in opening night would have gone, oh, wait, he's going to say the thing. Everyone shut up. Um, I was not. I'm guessing... Yeah, I'm guessing I. that I saw it at Springs because I would have been. I wish I had. God, I wish I had. Where would I have been at this point in my life? I think I would have been where I live now. Where did you see uh, it, Robbie? Uh, I saw it in Claremont. Oh, okay. At a local theater. Yeah, I wouldn't have seen it there, and I wouldn't have seen it in Davenport either because Davenport. Well, I saw it in Lidditz, Pennsylvania, and nobody stopped when. He's out of injuries. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you got to be in a theater full of nerds, I guess. Yeah, Yeah. I wish I was. Well, they were nerdy enough to be super excited about what was happening. So Yeah, no, my theater was definitely into it. I just don't think I was quite in the super nerd theater that I wish I had been. Yeah. Yeah. I heard it the next day. It was fine. Man, this is... Yeah, right. (laughs) Man, this whole sequence is so good. Man, it's so good. And it was so good to finally get this payoff. And something we've talked about of, like never saying Avengers Assemble because they were saving it for the ultimate moment to say Avengers Assemble. And okay, it worked. Good job. Can I say one, the one thing that maybe two or three of you might hate me for though? Mm -hmm. Is I know that Avengers Assemble is like a very iconic line. I just think that it's sort of, it's sort of cheesy in the context that all of them have already assembled and then he says it get off the podcast that might that <laughs> that might be my one like nitpick at this movie is that like there wouldn't have been a time for him to say it properly cuz he didn't know that everybody was going to be coming back through the portals but by the time he says avengers assemble the whole the whole army of heroes is already assembled yeah you're right so, i hate you it just seems kind of like redundant but it is an important line from the comics that they wanted to include so it makes sense to say it but it's like yeah dude we're here i do wonder what people who didn't know that avengers assemble was a thing thought of that yeah and but but i did know that that was the name of this podcast Uh i knew it was a thing and i and i love it so and i and i just thought it was a you know like i i also had a had like a weird annoyance with people who like um just very liberally peppered you would say that into their conversations do you remember like that phase of probably some some point in like the mid 2000s of our lives where you would say that is like a comeback that people said to things and it was after you had said something so clearly you're right i would have said that because i did say it That's kind of how it you felt. Was Avengers it. assemble, and they're like, "Bro, we're already here. You should have told us to attack. Avengers attack." I don't know. 
Hey, Portals is a good I'm scene. I'm weird. <laughs> no, yeah. it is. It's, oh my gosh. It's a great scene. I'm not trying to bring everybody down. I'm not trying to wet blanket. I just think that that's a little slightly out of place. Eduardo saying that assembly was required. Okay. So. <laughs> Chris, I appreciated that when you were talking about the music, you were doing your own little drum majoring <laughs> over there. And like <laughs> a little something just for you guys. <laughs> Not anymore. Uh-huh. Well, they can, they'll have to imagine what it looked like. The two sides charge. And the battle begins. We start with one last iconic Avengers tracking shot in the tradition of a two-page comic book splash. Seemingly every hero having an action whose motion draws focus over to another hero in one continuous shot. Captain America knocks down Black Dwarf with a throw of Mjolnir. Falcon, Star-Lord, War Machine, Doctor Strange, and Scarlet Witch fly overhead. Thor crashes lightning down on a rank with Stormbreaker. Spider-Man swings off War Machine with a kick. Wasp transition from small to full size and kicks an Outrider. Valkyrie descends atop her Pegasus and spears a War Beast. Hulk lands and chucks a Sakaran through the air. M'Baku lets out an intimidating scream. <laughs> Giant Man punches a Leviathan directly in the face, bringing it to the ground. Yes. Which is very cool. <laughs> yes. Uh, and so this good. is all one shot. Black Panther. <laughs> Black Panther roundhouse kicks an Outrider. Okoye slams her spear through a Sakaran. Shiri blasts a pair of Sakarans with her wrist cannons. Drax leaps to the back of Kolob City and begins stabbing his back, freeing (laughs) Korg. So great, too. (laughs) Korg turns and smacks Kol in the face with a mace. Uh, uh, Rescue shoots down a Sakaran ship. Iron Man flies in and fights back to back midair with his wife, which is yeah, it's a good shot. Really oh, cool. That was awesome. The Iron That's Man cool. in rescue suits, just like very cool. Uh, Mantis puts a war beast to sleep. Thor calls Mjolnir to his hand while Captain America calls Stormbreaker, and Thor insists they trade so Cap can have the little one. <laughs> <laughs> and Rocket and the Winter Soldier rain. Good job, host. I'm super. Oh, oh, do we? Mention when, when Cap grabs the hammer that Thor smiles and says, mm-hmm. "I knew it." We didn't. We didn't bring. I up actually that. missed that the first time because yep, because same. everyone was cheering over that. Mm. But but I I enjoy that because it also shows how mm-hmm. Thor has matured because yeah he was in <laughs> Ultron he's like aha you're all not worried and uh, you're all not worthy and he was so scared when Cap budged mm-hmm. the hammer, um, but now he's he's like oh yeah I knew you could do it. <laughs> Iron Man is knocked down by Cole Obsidian, but gets rescued by Spider-Man webbing Cole to the ground before a giant man arrives to stomp on him. Peter explains to Tony that he doesn't know what happened, but he woke up on Titan and Doctor Strange told him it had been five years and they needed to go before activating a sling portal. Stark stares at Parker without a word before interrupting him with a hug. Oh, yeah, finally there. such a heartwarming... Which is going to make mm-hmm. later on really tough. But it's really heartwarming right now. Yeah. Oh, that was nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Star-Lord is cornered by a Sakaran, but it is shot in the back by Gamora. Quill is emotional at seeing Gamora alive and tries to hug her, which is really funny because it almost feels like they're trying to play off of the scene that happened immediately prior with Tony and Peter. 
and they're trying to almost be like, oh, look, they're going to do the same thing. They're going to hug. Uh-huh. And then it does not that's, happen. That's true. And apparently... You missed the it first time. Apparently... But then you got me the second apparently time. Apparently when they were storyboarding <laughs> this film, this sequence was titled um, Reunions and... Uh, what was it? Um, reunions and Team-Ups. What they wanted to do was do as many weird Team-Ups as they could. Like, just one shot of, you know, stuff like Corrigan and... and, uh, and Drax teaming up, you know, stuff you'll never see again nor before. Yeah. And then they wanted to reunite everyone that needed to be reunited. They eventually realized they did not have time to reunite everyone that needed to be reunited. So they really just did these two. Um, but I actually think you're probably right. I think they are playing on the shot before. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's funny. Gamora being from 2014 and not having met Peter yet, <laughs> knees him in the balls and drops him to the ground. <laughs> Expressing confusion as to this being the one, Nebula tells Gamora the choices were him <laughs> or Tree. I ruined the script. I'm sorry. Oh, no. Hawkeye flees with the gauntlet across the battlefield from a war beast. He is rescued by Falcon, but asks Cap what to do with the gauntlet. Roger says to get the stones as far away as possible, but Hulk insists they have to get them back to their original place in time. Stark says they can't do that since Thanos destroyed the quantum tunnel. But Scott says they have one, they have another one, and sets off the alarm, Luis's van, using the keys that have apparently been in his pocket during the battle. (laughs) Valkyrie is able to spot the ugly brown van next to the landing zone for the Black Order, and Scott says he needs 10 minutes to get the tunnel started. Lang and Hope shrink down, and she flies him into the van, and they start working on activation together. But first, she calls the same cap. Yes, and I just caught that. Oh, I good. just caught that today watching it. They even, like, smirk Kat at each other. Uh-huh. It was actually Kat that pointed that out, and she goes, oh, she made fun of him for doing that Nate man and the Wasp. And, I, I, like, that's one of the things that I would not have caught if not for this retrospective and watching all this stuff. There are so many things in this sequence that are callbacks mm-hmm. to, like, one line in a movie mm-hmm. from seven years before. And mm-hmm. it's just so well done because it's not distracting but yep. if you know you know <laughs> yeah well and yeah on the um on the commentary they confirm that when black panther calls hawkeye clint like that's a callback yes. to hi i'm clint i don't care, I don't care. <laughs> it's like all oh, you do care <laughs> or you at least remembered uh-huh. <laughs> cared enough to remember <laughs> hey Tony encourages Strange on the field and asks him to con- confirm this is the one possible timeline out of 14 million where they win. Strange says if he tells him that, it won't happen. Ebony Ma notices Clint with a gauntlet and sends forces after him. While Barton is surrounded, T'Challa lands next to him and opens up a room. T'Challa refers to Clint by name, despite previously telling him I don't care when Clint introduced himself from Civil War. Barton hands Black Panther the gauntlet, who makes well across the battlefield before being knocked down by Thanos. Thanos charges T'Challa, but it is intercepted by a very, very angry Wanda. <laughs> Wanda tells Thanos he <laughs> took everything from her, and Thanos arrogantly responds, I don't even This is know another part where my theater screamed, by the way, when Wanda showed up. Uh-huh. Angry. Wanda says, you will, then starts to dramatically outpower level Thanos while T'Challa gets away. <laughs> Before Black Panther can get the gauntlet, Ebony Maw pulls it away and starts to crush T'Challa with rocks, but the king is able to throw the gauntlet to a swinging by Spider-Man. Now, Chris, a lot of weird stuff is happening in this battle, right? Yes. Just, just incredibly like unthinkable things, and it's still very cool that it's happening. It's so cool. 
Oh my gosh. I what you're setting up for me, I think, is as I was watching this, I wrote down a sentence, uh, a couple sentences in my notes. And this is a 100% accurate description of a thing that happens in this movie. Spider-Man has an Iron Man Infinity Gauntlet, and Captain America throws Mjolnir so Spidey can web onto it, so that Rescue can grab him and toss him to Valkyrie, who is riding on her Pegasus. This happens in an actual movie. An actual movie that made the most money. That's a thing. I <laughs> I just don't... Uh, this movie is bonkers. Uh, but the best kind of bonkers. Uh, but it is so confident in its bonkersness because of the goodwill that it has built up that people love these movies. And it's not just the nerds. It's not just people who are like, hey, let's start a podcast who love it. It's uh, It's everyone. Everyone, not I mean, not obviously not everyone, but so many people, the general public loves the Marvel movies uh, to the point where Endgame, where all this weird stuff happens with the talking raccoon and the and the spaceman coming back from out of uh, from the past uh, with his helicopter sword. Uh, you know, the everyone just all these moments have been built up and set up in ways that we didn't even know they were being set up. And it just, it's just great. I, t- I, I don't want to go on too long because I, I talked a lot about them playing off of like fan service expectations uh, in during uh, the Avengers sequence in the time heist. But this movie, and as we've already mentioned, has so many great little callbacks. Uh, the Clint thing, the sure thing cap. Uh, oh, Steve calling uh, Spider-Man Queens. Uh, you know, it's just all these little things that if you watched the <laughs> if you watched the movies, you're gonna get what what they're talking about. <laughs> um, I'm distracted by Eduardo's PJ pants right now. He was po- he was pointing at Iron Man and Spider Man on his PJ pants. <laughs> Dude's showing off his junk while Chris is talking. Uh, and and it pays off things that I I didn't know I wanted. It pays off things that I didn't know I want. I've we all know I've wanted Captain America to wield Mjolnir for the longest time because I always think it's cool when a comic when a character that's not Thor is deemed worthy. You know, and I've got my bobblehead Funko Captain America with Mjolnir right here. That's you know I'm 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 that bad. I like um, that sound. Yeah, the little. <laughs> Sounds like Scooby Doo running away. <laughs> That's just a red herring. Yeah. Red herring. Um, wait, wait, wait! I'm not the only person that watched a pup named Scooby Doo. Hell yeah! Oh, oh my god! I was I I very I've much never liked felt more way. connected to the people on this podcast. <laughs> I'm glad pup named Scooby Doo is what did that apparently. <laughs> Scooby, Scooby, Doo, uh, Scooby. Okay, sorry. I, I I always appreciated in the Scooby Doo movie that James Gunn wrote the screenplay for, which what? Uh, Coolsville was canon. Um, but anyway, going <laughs> going back uh, to what I was saying here. Um, okay, so we all knew that 
if if Captain America didn't pick up Mjolnir, it would have been a disappointment. Uh, to the point where they went back in time and got Mjolnir and were able to do it. But the way they did it, in the moment, it was, hey, Thor being able to summon Mjolnir is an important moment for Thor. And we already talked at length about that. So I don't know if they were doing it just because they wanted to pay off Captain America and Mjolnir, but it, it ended up working double duty. And that goes back to, again how they handled these fan service things are like, Oh, how do we make it important? How do we make people care in this movie? But then the fact he doesn't just pick up Mjolnir, he's throwing it around. He's summoning lightning. He's doing all these things. And I am going to go on the record, correcting one of, I forget if it was one of the screenwriters or one of the producers where they said, yeah, this is a plot hole because uh, Thor learned that the hammer, uh, he doesn't need the hammer for lightning. That's true. But what it says on Mjolnir is, Whosoever holds his hammer, if he be worthy, shall possess the power of Thor. Cap is worthy, he holds the hammer, he possesses the power of Thor, that means he can make lightning happen. And it's incredible. I knew I wanted to see Captain America say Avengers Assemble. I did not know that I wanted that to be punctuated with him summoning Thor's magic hammer into his hand as he said it. But I'm so glad that's how it happened. Uh, I, I don't want to keep talking because I'm just getting... I'm just, yeah. I mean, it's not just the Captain America stuff. Obviously, I'm a Cap fanboy. But there's just so many things in this final battle. It's just crowd-pleasing moment after crowd-pleasing moment. And there are, they are very good crowd-pleasing moments. <laughs> that's That's all I got to say. I mean, I will say as someone that grew up with the Battle of Endor and someone who is absolutely obsessed with the Rohirrim's charge um, outside of uh, Minas Tirith, that I actually think this became my favorite climactic battle in a movie because of a lot of what you said. Uh, mine too. Um, and one thing that's really fascinating about this fight, and I think this kind of shows up in how we framed this podcast, and something I realized as far back as when when we were first trying, you know, after our first few episodes of this podcast, we started to figure out how do we want to handle these episodes. I was thinking about writing the Endgame episode ahead of time because I thought it was an important one. And way back then, I started realizing that in a lot of movies, the the big battle scenes are they fight. Maybe there's a couple things to point out, but it's like, like even Civil War is mostly punches are thrown, a couple important things happen. This battle has like plot lines and story and there's even some development in this it's not just a fight scene it is you know plot points developing while a fight is going on and that's fascinating the way they turn it out there's fascinating there's so many things you need to pick out and talk about in this battle sequence and that's not i think normal in most in most films and that's not necessarily a criticism because a lot of times what you're watching is the cool people shooting at each other and charging each other and like that that's that's fine that's what you're here for you're here for the throwing punches and you're here for the action but there's a lot more than just action going on in this massive action sequence and i find that really really fascinating also one other thing mm -hmm. that we haven't brought up yet that i noticed in the background is uh at one point when um uh it's when black panther is carrying the gauntlet if you look in the background you will see giant sized scott lang holding a 
Leviathan, shoving it into a sling ring portal so that the sling ring portal can decapitate the Leviathan, which is just in the background of one of these shots as a, as a little bonus. So, but yeah, no, yeah. it, it Ant-Man is again, a legitimate yes. Avenger by the yep, end of this. this is... <laughs> I did not notice that. I noticed two of the black order dying and I hadn't noticed that before. Which ones? I didn't notice black dwarf getting stomped on until this, this rewatch. Yes. I assume, I assume that's his death getting stomped on by yeah, Scott. So the other Ebony Maw, Corvus Glaive, and um, uh, Proxima Midnight all get dusted, and you don't see Dwarf. Well, then I guess that's the only one. Well, so, but Proxima is holding Corvus Glaive as though he's dead when they get dusted. So I'm not positive. Um, but you don't see Black Dwarf get dusted because you saw him get stomped on by Ant-Man. So, yeah. yes. Which is, let me, and this is something I said to my wife. When I was a kid, the kind of thing I just wanted to see in a movie, like not even the kind of thing, almost literally exactly this sequence, was Spider-Man saves Iron Man from a monster and then the monster gets stomped on by Giant Man. Like that's just, that's the kind of <laughs> sequence as a kid that I just wanted to see in a movie. And of course, as I got a little older, I thought, okay, that's a kid thing that wouldn't really work in a good movie. And what the hell do you know? It worked in a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> I want to ask you about something. Mm-hmm. Spider-Man using the instant kill setting on his costume. How do you feel about that? Uh, it's a little out of character, but they're aliens, so. But yes. Yeah, that's because uh, Dan Slott, who wrote Spider-Man for many, many, many years, mm-hmm. about 10 years, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said, I remember him, he had a big Twitter thread where he said that was like the one thing that didn't sit well with him. In, yeah. in game yeah and spider-man's and obviously I get a lot more personal to dan slot so yeah yeah that, that's the other thing it's like it's a character that he's been you know he knows inside and out yeah i, having written I don't years, think so. it was to the degree of taking me out of the movie it was a nice payoff of a line from a different movie but if i think yeah. about it i think yeah it's a little bit fudging with the the, the character yeah. but it's like you could you could rationalize it to yourself yeah. with like well they're not only were they aliens but they were like feral aliens that weren't seemingly sentient or anything well you can also rationalize it as he's in a really dire situation and it's it's self-defense yeah yeah anyway that was all i don't know if anyone else had any thoughts about that i figured it'd probably just be robbie that would though (laughs) no i thought it was cool all right Yeah, the battle feels really like a love letter to all the battles in the MCU <laughs> so far. <laughs> if you're playing along with the love letter drinking game, you are smashed. You should also play the board game Love Letter and turn it into a drinking game. Oh, it you is. You should a very also good play game. Super yeah. Smash Brothers while you write a love letter. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Speaking of instant the, kill, the, the weirdest Venn diagram of all of all time, the most Speaking ambitious of, Venn. Oh, diagram. by the way, quick side note: um, something that the Russos mentioned is this sequence is called the Flea Flicker, which is a name I love. And oh, that's fantastic! Originally, as originally written, at some point, every single character was going to handle the gauntlet across the field. It was literally just going to be pass off, hand off, hand off, hand off, and they realized that it was really slowing things down. But I kind of want to see that cut. <laughs> same yeah 
Peter lands Release on the, the ground. Flea away from cut. <laughs> Release the flea flicker cut. Lands on the oh ground away God. from the mall and activates the Iron Spider's instant kill mode, and the legs of the suit start auto targeting a pack of outriders. Wanda breaks Thanos' sword, then lifts him in the air and begins slowly crushing his armor. Thanos, in actual mortal danger, calls for Sanctuary to begin raining fire on the battlefield, willing to sacrifice his own troops as a distraction to save himself from the Scarlet Witch. The Black Order starts to obl- starts to be obliterated by Sanctuary. Wanda has to stop has to drop Thanos to protect herself, and the Order creates shields above themselves to protect as many heroes as possible. Pepper notices a breach in the nearby river from the explosions that starts flooding the field, and the mechanism that takes Doctor Strange out of the fight is instituted right here, <laughs> so that's because Doctor Strange is too powerful, and if he's going to stay in this fight, they would you win, get comic because, books, uh-huh. but because. <laughs> We can't have him do that. We need to create this thing for him to be busy with while they <laughs> finish the fight. And speaking of characters that could end the fight in one second. <laughs> <laughs> it's later on. Here. Oh, is it yes. later? It's, it's okay. coming. Yeah. <laughs> I'm close. I was like, oh, where can I, can I segue into that? But no, yeah. it's, it's, a li- it's just a little later. Okay. Pepper notices uh, Peter is overwhelmed by Outriders, but is able to web to a Mjolnir thrown by Steve to break out and lands behind Valkyrie on her Pegasus with an assist by Pepper. Valkyrie nears the fan, but is shot out of the sky by Sanctuary, and the heroes are forced to all take cover as the barrage gets more intense. Sanctuary suddenly stops firing on the battlefield and changes aim into the upper atmosphere to the confusion of several heroes. Captain Marvel arrives to the excitement of Rocket and single-handedly punches Thanos' home ship to death, Dropping it in the river. She holdos it. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, that's literally really what it does. is. <laughs> She's good at punching ships, Man, dude. just imagine oh, yeah. if she had a Captain yeah, Marvel when there's a Death Star around. Just I, yeah, She hates transportation. <laughs> uh, side note from the so Russos. Flying is a lot better for the environment. Side note from the Russos. <laughs> yeah. They shot this sequence from Rocket's point of view because they were trying to think of which character would realize it's Captain Marvel, and they decided it was Rocket. Okay, that makes sense. They Their relationship was sort of established. And it seems like her reputation precedes yes. her. The fact that Thanos' people are like, oh, crap, it's yep. her. Because, <laughs> you know? um, I mean, Ronan knew about her, obviously. And, uh, I mean, there's, there's every chance that even before they met in Endgame, Rocket knew about mm-hmm. Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. Right. We don't know how famous yeah, I'm sure the Nova Corps knows space. about it. Oh, yeah, yeah. With the quantum tunnel ready, Carol Danvers lands next to Peter and takes the gauntlet from him as the entire Black Order charges their location. Peter expresses concern about Carol getting through the entire army on her own. Wanda arrives saying not to worry, and Koye confirms she's got help. Valkyrie, Pepper, Mantis, Shuri, Hope, Gamora, and Nebula join them, and the women of the MCU team up and get their own tracking shot as they clear a path for Danvers. Robbie. Hello. There were some people that were upset about this. Fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Whoa. I'm, I'm, <laughs> All right. Moving on. <laughs> um. All right. Well, we discussed right. that. So next topic. Yeah. Let's get this puppy on the road, right? As you say. You know, it's funny because nobody actually knows that I say that. Oh no! Really uh, yeah, behind the scenes, do. info revealed. 
It's a secret catchphrase. <laughs> Would you like me to expand on that? Are you talking about me or Rodney? No. No, I wouldn't. I think that was perfect. <laughs> I, I would actually like you to expand on it. Uh. Um, so one thing I will admit, I will admit that when I first saw the movie, I was slightly taken out of the movie because I watched this sequence and I thought, oh, they really liked that part in um, Infinity War that was very organic. And now they decided, let's make that more. And so it took me out of the movie because I realized what the filmmakers were doing. Oh, well, like there's been, we've already talked about, there's tons of fan service in this film because there's a ton of fans of this film and there's a ton of fans of this franchise. And so, you know, when Captain, when Mjolnir starts moving, we all knew it was coming because we knew that they wanted to give us that payoff eventually in the MCU. When, you know, Iron Man and Thor and Captain America are standing together watching Thanos, we know what's coming because we knew we needed that payoff because we didn't get an Infinity War. We knew that moment had to happen. And so I don't see why that's a problem. Sometimes there's fan service and sometimes fan service is great. And this scene is really damn great and so cool. And one of my favorite shots in this entire film, um, even, even, even getting aside from the, uh, um, man, I don't want to use the word politics of the scene, but what the scene is going for, even getting aside from the fact that it is, it's, you know, putting the women of the MCU together. It's just a cool sequence of shots. It's a, it's really cool having Valkyrie fly by and, 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 you know, take off the armor of a, of a um, Leviathan, knock it down. It's cool having a, a combo beam from rescue and wasp and uh, who else is in there? Oh, Shuri. Like all that stuff is so cool. It's cool. Even if it's not just the women of the MCU, but the fact that it's the women of the MCU is what really makes it cool because I don't care I don't care. It's just a cool sequence. And here's what's really important. Not one of us is, um, not one of us on this podcast is a woman. And I think most of the people complaining about the sequence are also not women. You know, the people that loved the sequence, the women in my life who thought this was one of the coolest things I've ever seen. And none of them has necessarily said it wasn't forced. They've said it doesn't matter that it was forced because everything is forced. I like how my wife put it. Um, and Bailey really basically just said the same thing um, a little while ago. She said that the reason we call it forced is because it's women. No one would say it's forced if it's men because earlier in this sequence, in this, in this third of the film, we had the three male heroes standing around and posing and no one says that's forced because we're used to it. And so this is how the, you know, the women I know that saw this movie, that's how they reacted. And obviously their opinion on this is a little more important, I think, than the men's. So I value that. So if it connected with them the way it was meant to, then who cares? Also, it was great. So you're wrong anyway. Um, because it, basically every hero shot is forced. My wife also made another point that another reason this sequence was very important to her is she says growing up to her, and I've heard this from many other people. I just obviously haven't had this experience being a man. But for her growing up, women were always kind of culturally taught to compete with one another which is again, something I've heard as well um, from others, but, but she was talking about that. And she said, so seeing a scene where they all work together really, really resonated and was very important to her. So I think that's also important. Um, so yeah, the scene's great. I, I honestly, if you can't get over the fact that it was made, it was a premeditated scene. If you can't get over the fact that it's not perfectly organic, which I actually do agree. It's not as organic as the one in infinity war. But if you can't get over that, 
and that's going to derail your enjoyment of it, then get away from me because I know that your actual lack of enjoyment of it is probably just that you're bothered by it. It's not organic to you because you don't see a bunch of women working together on film that often anyway. So that is my soapbox. I will step off. I like that. A, I agree with you. B, I like that last episode we were all about treading lightly, and this episode you opened up that with fuck off. <laughs> listen, listen. There's things to tread lightly with, and there's things that just not gonna bother. This is one of the ones we're not no, gonna No, I bother. know. I know. I'm on I'm on the same team as you with this. It was just a funny it was a funny intro. It's just I'm sorry. Yeah, I, it's one of the coolest things I've ever seen in a movie. Chris. Yeah, I, uh, I I I enjoy the scene. Um, it was one of those things where I was like, okay, I, I watch it going, I know what they're doing. But again, I'm the guy that likes weird character pairings. So I was like, yeah, fine. Um, put them all together. Like, it doesn't necessarily make sense that they'd all be right there. You could tell it was definitely them trying to get them all on screen. But, you know, that didn't detract from my enjoyment of it. It was just one of those things where I was aware of filmmaking happening. Yes. And I moved on from that, you know, and, uh, you know, I mean, the, the big, my biggest quote unquote issue with it is that Captain Marvel doesn't need anyone's help. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. She could have done that with her hand tied behind her back, but it's okay. As someone actually pointed out recently, they're just being good teammates. I'm like, okay, yeah, no, that's actually a fair point. Really? Um, I understand. It's, why... it's still important. What's that? Scotty Pippen and Dennis Rodman are yeah. both still important. Yeah. There you go. Uh-huh. Jordan is the one putting all the points on the board. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Captain Marvel is the Michael Jordan of of the MC. So I want to know which one is <laughs> uh, Michael Jordan is a love letter to Captain Marvel. <laughs> which which woman of the MCU is Dennis Rodman? And which one is the one with the completely underrated skill set that's actually amazing Nebula. and really important? Nebula. Yeah. Um, okay. I can't argue with that. Okay. I don't think. Yeah. Um, now I do understand, and I and I have I, I I I know of some women who even found the scene a little bit much. Who were like, um, I I know one who uh, who compared it to Captain Marvel and was like, Captain Marvel the movie was great because it was here are these uh, you know speaking specifically about Carol and uh, Maria. Maria is the mother, right? And Monica is the daughter. I always yeah, Monica is the daughter. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Monica. Speaking of Maria and Carol, about how the movie just sort of accepts as fact that here are two badass pilots who looked at the world, trying to keep them from being successful, and just like screw it, we're going to be successful anyway, and becoming. And, you know, obviously Carol becoming a hero, but Maria has has her fair share of hero moments as well. And how it was just like, yeah, here it is. And and how I guess they thought that this scene was trying too hard. And I and I understand that. Um, like I said, it it didn't bother me uh, because, again, this is the only time we're probably going to get a lot of these characters on screen at the same time kind of a bummer that black widow was dead um at this point um yes also a force movie when we're getting we're getting she hulk yes uh, and she's like one of the leaders of a force right 
A Force being the all-female team of Avengers. I hope that everyone on this podcast is prepared for the fact that I'm af- actually a massive She-Hulk fanboy. I just keep that under under wraps. A Force. It was it was a superhero team. Of, it was like an Avengers. Uh, I don't know if they were like a branch of the Avengers affiliated. I think, um, but it was. I think of it as like almost a different, almost a different Defenders. Yeah. Them. Okay. Yeah. I guess so. Um, I'm trying to think of what was on it, but it was it was all female heroes. Um, mm-hmm. I know She Hulk was one of them. Uh, yeah. Um, Medusa. Um, here we go. Debuted as part of Secret Wars in 2015. Um, Spider Woman, Rogue. Okay, going. yeah, and it was it was an alternate universe, but then later in the primary continuity, um, they became uh, like they became part of the actual regular Marvel universe. Um, hmm. Carol and okay, here we go. And it would... yeah, it was Carol Danvers, uh, Medusa. Oh my gosh, Medusa's real name is Medusalith. <laughs> I don't know. I don't dude, read in um, dude, all all of their all of the characters in that little that little corner of Marvel have weird full names like that. Yeah, like, I mean the fact that Black Bolt is Blackagar Boltagon, I will never get over that. Um, no, but yeah, Medusa is short for Medusalith. Please, <laughs> please, Medusalith <laughs> is uh, uh, only strangers come with that. Uh, she Hulk, <laughs> uh, someone called Singularity, who I am not familiar with, and I think was a character that was creators for it. Uh, oh, and Dazzler. Mm. Yeah. And uh, Nico Minoru uh, from Runaways. Oh, Nico's a, a real strange but cool character. I think A-Force would work really, really well in the MCU. Uh-huh. Um, and honestly, as long as you get rid of Ike Perlmutter, there's probably no reason you can't do it. And I would not be, they've I done would, that. I would so. not be shocked if part of making the <laughs> She-Hulk show is setting up a potential A-Force. Uh, A-Force, yeah, be great. A-Force Honestly, with no. Captain Marvel and Valkyrie and She-Hulk right. and, and Jane Foster. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, honestly, Captain Marvel is the only downside of that, and it's not the character, it's not, you know, Brie Larson or the personality or anything like that. It's just they have set up Captain Marvel as just so powerful. Having her coexist with people in this universe is kind of... Maybe they'll what, do what's the, the point of the other heroes? They'll do the Doctor Strange waterfall. Thing. Yes, yeah. right. Yeah. Every episode will have to be some reason that Captain Marvel's not yeah, there. Yeah. Yes, like, correct. Oh, I left my, I left a fork in the microwave. I can't come to the battle. <laughs> ah, my house is on fire. <laughs> or she runs into some MacGuffin at some point that slightly depowers costs her some power but she still is. A Why couldn't that be a fork in the microwave? I don't understand. You know the Was fork in the microwave could. We don't know how the fork in the microwave, what what mm-hmm. radiation comes off of that. Yeah, maybe blue radiation, and then there's red radiation from the battle, and they're like, hey, they, they go together, and then they get zapped back to New Mexico. And Does everything taste purple all of a sudden? <laughs> what smells like blue? Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. <laughs> we, I well, I appreciate all of you for not... not crapping on this scene because i just well eduardo well, I hasn't had a yet. chance to talk yet <laughs> yeah. yeah eduardo Uh-oh. you you do it take a this crap scene. take a crap <laughs> <laughs> just like last episode <laughs> i was gonna say i have not one who is afraid to take a crap on this podcast <laughs> 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 hopefully 
hopefully the listeners or, or during but uh or during <laughs> can we reveal that behind the scenes story or do i need to cut this this out no i don't mind yeah no eduardo went to poop twice during the last episode so <laughs> three times. if you notice there were a couple was it three times I'm pretty sure it was three. Oh yeah, it was three. There were, there were. You'll notice there were a couple long stretches where the three of us were talking and there was no Eduardo. <laughs> have you have you guys seen that that little um like that that tweet that's like people that have gluten allergies and like oh I can't eat gluten and people with some other allergy oh I can't eat that and people with lactose intolerance they're like I'm gonna have the four cheese ravioli <laughs> with a giant glass of milk and a <laughs> carton of yogurt. That's Eduardo. That is. Yeah. Me. <laughs> Yeah, I actually I don't let words like lactose intolerance get me down. <laughs> yeah, he, you know, he's against intolerance. <laughs> I'm gonna tolerate as much lactose as I want. I took yeah, a I picture let's... of your thing in the chat last week of the "I'm so sorry, gotta poop" or whatever, <laughs> and I sent it to Angela and said, "When you listen, see if you can guess when this happens." <laughs> she was listening to it today, and I have not asked her if she if she figured it out yet. She can find the the poop segment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, I don't want to find a poop segment. <laughs> I don't disagree, Robbie, at all. I, I think people that don't like this scene are silly. I think there is a certain. There are so many wacky things Chris was describing earlier about how insane some of the things in this movie that are happening, and mm-hmm. how there are all these different insane things, but this is the one that people can't right. wrap this their is, head around. This is where you're going to draw your line. Right. Like, this is a movie built on the 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 preconceived notion or the, like, you sign a contract when you sit down to watch this movie where you say, I'm going to suspend my disbelief for however long this movie is going to go on for. Because if you don't, you will literally just go crazy because you could do this with a hundred different things. But if you're only picking this scene and only just choosing this scene and being like, this is the one that I can't suspend my disbelief on. Right. Oh, there is. This kind of goes back to the thing I said earlier when people are like, you would say that. Yes, I did just say that. When people are like, Oh, it just felt so scripted. It felt so forced. How do you think the rest of the movie happened? Do you think they exactly. ad-libbed the whole thing? Exactly. <laughs> and then this scene, they're like, no, let's specifically make the women come out all at the same time. But the rest of the movie is just like them so, jamming. They're in a jam session. I had an unfortunate conversation that I should have stayed out on with someone on Twitter. Who they said, um, oh, they said uh, to another Twitter person, um, clearly a woman on Twitter, he said, if this, if this shot was all the men, you would have been complaining. And she says, and she said something about like, right. Cause it's always all the men and the minute it, and you didn't complain, but the minute it's the women you do, it's, it's the point. Yep. Chris, you had a, did you have a follow-up? I'm trying to find, I can't find the, um, the, st- the actual study. And I've, heard this a couple times and i don't know if it's an actual study or if it's um a you know something that's been reported anecdotally so uh, and i i didn't look it up before this because i didn't think of it until just now but uh, dare you. i think it's been heard uh, or it's it's been said that like when like there there's a perception about how much women talk um or appear on screen or whatever 
Mm. And do you know what I'm talking about, Robbie? I, I think I vaguely understand, yes. Yeah. The, the perception doesn't match reality because it yeah, stands it's... out to you when it's a woman because yeah. they're underutilized. Yeah, okay. So, like, the anecdotal one, like, this is not an actual study. Uh, and, again, this is just an anecdote, but someone, like, uh, this woman was talking about how she watches movies with her kids. And they'll pick, and she was, like, taking notes of which movies they were watching. And the her son says we always watch the movies that are about girls and she went back and counted it and less than a third of the movies that they were watching actually had like were actually about like female main characters or like princess mm-hmm. movies or whatever um but but yeah so i so i don't know i'm not qualified to speak on this um but it's you know think things that i've heard and again i i do not know the science behind this i cannot find on a 30 second google in the middle of a podcast these actual <laughs> studies um i did see something from cambridge but i didn't have time to actually read the whole thing right now um but where yeah, it's everyone like, pause like, so he a, can read the scholarly journal yes 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 um <laughs> no but it's <laughs> like mm, if we didn't talk like 25 percent of the time then people perceive it as being equal mm-hmm. and if they speak up to 50 percent, then they see, perceive it as women dominating the conversation there was and um, it's one of those things where it's because we're so used to men that if there's mm-hmm. more than normal of of the majority then and by majority i mean positions of power not actual majority is that yeah, you yeah, right, right right the bottom Sociological. Line here <laughs> is that people should start being mad at things that actually matter, right? And stop being mad at frivolous things that don't affect them in any way, and allow the people that it positively affects right. to be happy. Right. Yes. No one go look up the hashtag. The force is female. Oh no! <laughs> no, thank you. Oh no! Uh, yeah. Thanos tries to get in Carol's path, but is knocked down by a combo shot from Shuri, Pepper, and Hope. However, as Carol nears the van, Thanos is able to gain just enough strength to throw his fractured sword into the quantum tunnel, throwing Captain Marvel away and dropping the gauntlet on the ground between Thanos and Tony. Hmm. A scrum begins for the Iron Gauntlet. <laughs> I use the word scrum. Dude, it's the call, it's the, the right Robbie word. callback. It's the right word. We're back to scrum. Tony jumps for it, but is knocked away by Thanos. Before Thanos can pick up the gauntlet, Thor is able to push Stormbreaker and Mjolnir against the Titan. Steve joins and tries to help Thor push Stormbreaker into Thanos' neck. Thanos is able to knock Thor away, then delivers a crushing blow to Rogers and picks up the gauntlet. As Thanos attempts to put it on, Captain Marvel arrives and distracts him, but he's able to chuck her away with one hand and places the gauntlet on. Dude, I... I'm sorry, I want to interrupt you real quick just real quick because i don't know what it is about that scene that like gets me all jittery but when the two of them captain marvel and thanos are fighting over the gauntlet right there and thanos has the intelligence to take the power stone off of the gauntlet and use it to punch her i just feel like that's such smart writing Mm -hmm. i don't know like i guess that's what it is it just ugh. I don't know why that scene is so cool i don't want thanos to win but it's just a really smart tactical move Anyway, done interrupting. (laughs) The Mad Titan begins to snap, but is slowed as he struggles against the pain of all six stones at once, giving Carol an opening to try and pull the gauntlet off him. 
Carol Danvers straight up tanks a direct headbutt from Thanos without a single pain stagger animation. (laughs) (laughs) She has super armor. (laughs) She does. She has super armor. And Thanos pulls off the power stone and uses it to finally blast Captain Marvel away from him. I'm with Peaches. That's a cool shot. It is great. It's like he needs to actually use just the power stone and that's the only way he can beat her because, hey, she's powered by an infinity stone too. (laughs) Seeing this interaction, Doctor Strange holds up a single finger as a signal to Tony Stark who has a look of realization and resolve as Thanos places the power stone back on the gauntlet. Stark speeds over and grabs the gauntlet but is smacked effortlessly away by Thanos. Thanos smiles, looks at Tony and repeats, I am inevitable before snapping his fingers. Nothing happens, and Thanos looks at confusion at the back of his gauntlet, realizing there are no stones. He looks over at Tony as his right nanotech glove starts shifting the stones into place, having taken them from the other glove of his own design when they touched. As the power of the stones slowly course through the Iron Man suit and begin tearing it apart en route to his head, Tony responds, And I am Iron Man, and snaps his fingers. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. And what a, and we talked about this in the Infinity War episode about how cool it was that his suit shifted around like mm-hmm. to like when it was getting knocked off of him and what a way to pay that yep. off in this yep. movie. Um this was the last shot that was the last shot they sh- the last thing they shot in the reshoots of the film um it was an ad lib by Robert Downey Jr and it was done in the sound stage next to where he originally tested to be Iron Man. Also, someone That's pointed cool. out to me that if you're paying attention to the emotions of Doctor Strange and Tony Stark, like, Doctor Strange realizes what's about to happen and is clearly not exactly happy about it. And also, Tony Stark, when he sees that, like, I didn't catch this the first few times I watched the film, but that really pauses on Tony Stark's emotions and looking at Thanos. He knows he's about to do something that's going to kill him. Um, and he realizes that the reason he was kept alive is because he has to survive five years to eventually sacrifice himself for the rest of the world. And that was what Dr. Strange was up to. Don't make me cry, man. Oh, I will. <laughs> We're getting After there. a flash of light, the black order starts disintegrating to dust around Thanos. Thanos exchanges looks with Steve Rogers, then walks to a pile of rubble and tiredly sits down in a shot recalling the end of Infinity War and slowly fades to dust. Have you seen the side-by-side comparison of that? Mm-hmm. It's like the same camera movement and everything. Mm-hmm. Of him sitting down and looking at the universe. <laughs> now he's looking at an ungrateful universe. Yeah. Tony Stark, severely injured by the use of the stones, collapses to the ground. James Rhodes lands next to his friend, removes his helmet, and the two silently exchange emotional knowing looks. Peter Parker lands and keeps repeating to Mr. Stark, we won, with increased emotion. Pepper Potts arrives, and Tony is able to muster, hey, Pepper, and a pained smile. Pepper restrains her emotions and tells him, we're going to be okay. You can rest now. Hero Tony Stark dies as his arc reactor fades, and his wife begins to cry, giving him a kiss goodbye. Thor and Steve Rogers look on silently. And then the fucking music. And I, I want to point out that Peter also, after saying we won, and he realizes what's happening, he says, I'm sorry. 
Mm-hmm. Oh god, I didn't think I was gonna get choked up at this part, but I really am. <laughs> Have you all seen the deleted scene of this? Where the, uh, no, and, and it, while we're right here, if, if this is where you're bringing it up, I don't know if I want to see the deleted scene. <laughs> it's uh, so the original shot of this, and you can see the deleted scene on the Blu-ray. Um, it starts with. I can't remember. Someone takes a knee. I think it's Captain Marvel. I forget no, it's if not. it's Steve or, or Carol. It's, what, it's I, not but I think Steve. It's Carol. It's not, no, it's not Carol because she looks around confused. Someone takes a knee. Oh. And it's actually a surprising character. But someone takes oh, a knee. Oh, is it Quill? No, it's not Quill. Oh, God. I remember I being gonna... surprised by who it was. But anyway. It's Hawkeye. It's Hawkeye. He's right. Eduardo's right. It's Hawkeye. Oh, yeah. Hawkeye takes I'm a watching knee. it right now. Hawkeye okay, takes a yeah. knee. <laughs> oh, it's going to get you. It's going to get you, Eduardo. Especially with the music playing. Um, so the, the Tony Stark funeral music kicks in at this point in the original cut of the film. Hawkeye takes a knee, and then one by one, every hero takes a knee across the the battlefield. And most of them have a reaction. Like, you know, Carol looks around, confuses, and then realize, confused, she realizes she needs to do this. Mantis doesn't understand what's going on and kind of, like, gives her old, her Mantis reaction before she kneels down. Um, but each of, each of the MCU characters, one by one, takes a knee. Um... And of course, Rhodes is crying. And oh, Rhodes does not take a knee. He slumps over on a pile of rubble. Um, but yeah, it's extremely emotional. I kind of understand why it was cut because I think there's already a lot of Tony Stark hero worship in this, especially compared to Black Widow. That cutting it made sense, but as a yeah. deleted scene, it's enough to be really emotional. It's the kind of thing that like didn't happen in the movie, but still feels canon if that makes sense. So. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I'm watching it without the sound, and I'm about to just. So all you I'm need about to, to know, just the sound up. makes it so much worse. <laughs> I can't all do you it. Need to know is I want to Tony... still be able to hear you guys talk. All you need to know is the Tony Stark funeral music is playing over it. Uh, Isn't there also, and I have not watched this yet, but there's a deleted scene also, and I think it's on Disney Plus. It wasn't on the Blu-ray, mm. where when he snaps, just like Thanos in Infinity War, he goes to the Soul Realm or whatever oh, you want to call that. it. And he speaks with his daughter, and it's his oh, grown-up daughter. Huh? I haven't heard yeah, of. I'm not ready to watch I, that. I think, it's on, I think it's on Disney Plus. And, yeah, I can't. And and they cut it, I think, for the same reason as the knee work, because having those both in there, it's a lot of Tony, and it slows down the movie. And you also you get the Tony Stark funeral later anyway, mm-hmm. which covers the same emotional ground as as most of that. So again, it, it's one of those things where, yeah, it makes sense why they cut it for that movie. Um, but like you said, as a, as an artifact, as as like supplemental material, it's interesting. I'm with Eduardo on most of this podcast where I never was in love with Tony Stark, the human through these films. I, I liked the character. Robert Downey Jr. played a, a compelling character, but I didn't necessarily have the attachment to, I love that person. Because there's a difference between I love that person and I enjoy watching them. But he still had enough of his arc, especially in this film with, you know, Morgan and having his happy life with Pepper and that, man, this gets me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think Tony's Tony goes through what feels like two arcs in Mm -hmm. these movies. He goes through an arc where he like finds himself and then he goes through an arc about his place in the world with other people and with people like being a father figure to peter parker and being an actual father to his daughter and so that second arc is the one that i really enjoy Mm -hmm. um because i feel like it's where he makes the most progress and where he really develops as a character um 
And I think that just makes this scene really, really hit home. I will say right now on this podcast that this scene was ruined for me mere mm-hmm. minutes before getting to watch this. Mm-hmm. I mean, in, in a lot of ways, it was my own fault for being on Twitter, but I had done a really good job of not being on, not looking at anything. And I just briefly opened my Twitter right before we were about to leave out the door. And somebody had posted something about how you'll always be my Tony Stark. I love you 3000, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, all right, well. So the night before. And then I blocked that person on Twitter. The night before I saw a gif of Tony Stark snapping with the, the stones. I closed the gif before I saw anything else. It didn't actually ruin the movie for me because I figured that sort of thing was going to happen. And it didn't actually, I didn't realize he died from it. So, um, but yeah, I had, had it ruined as well. Also, we all know a person that I blocked um, because they posted a picture bef- the night before The Force Awakens comes out, came out of Kylo Ren stabbing Han. Oh. Yeah. Tell me about oh. that afterwards. But yeah. I was also yeah, I, I was also it. spoiled on that right before going into the theater. I saw it in the comments no. on a fun video of a weatherman using a lot of Star Wars references in his weather report. Yeah. And, and I so saw a comment would... that said, Kylo Ren is Han Solo's son and he kills his father. <laughs> That's what I was just going to bring up is this is like the first movie that I became aware <clears throat> through Robbie Um, And then the rest of you guys in different ways that the people that want to ruin movies Mm -hmm. for people do not just hang out in the place you expect them to hang out on the internet. They don't hang out in a movie forum. They will go to a YouTube video of something completely unrelated and they will put it in the comments or they'll make a YouTube video of something completely unrelated. And then it'll cut to a scene of the movie and then it'll cut back. If to I their remember video. People were making stages in super smash brothers that were end game spoilers. If I remember correctly, because... <laughs> I saw it in a smash Yikes. brothers conversation. Someone posted a, a thumbnail that looked like, I think a stage or something. When you clicked on it, it expanded into the gif of Tony Stark snapping. That's what happened to me. Oh, wow. Wow. On okay. a video game mess. I didn't realize that's just how apropos that was. If you're one of those people, you also can fuck yeah. off. I've been, I mean, this is a phenomenon I've been people. aware that of Venn ever since the drive by snake kill Dumbledore guy. Yes. Um, and I, but that was, I'm not saying that's right, but that was at least in a place that you would expect somebody yes. to be an asshole. Yes. Now, when Angela and I went to see actually both these movies and I think the last two skywalker movies not so much solo um we didn't really care about being spoiled in that one um even though i was accidentally spoiled in that one you spoiled it for me accidentally (laughs) but okay just just so i don't sound like a jerk um the way i was spoiled on solo was i saw a headline that said how is that character still alive and I tweeted a joke about it that said, "I hope that the que- I hope that when they say that character, they mean Han Solo." And their explanation is, "This is the definition of a prequel." Um, and then halfway through the movie, I figured out, "Oh God, Darth Maul." Yep, it's going to be Darth Maul, isn't it? And Robbie figured out the same way because right. our minds work the yeah, same. Yeah, well, way. right. <laughs> In you a lot of tweeted ways. something about I didn't think this was a spoiler, but now I realize. Or no, actually, what you tweeted was you didn't even tweet the link. You just said. I saw some a headline about this film that I didn't think could be a spoiler, but it was a spoiler, and I wish I hadn't seen it, and I wish people would think about this. You said something that that 
I had seen that headline. Yeah, it was and as I'm sitting in the film, I'm like, what could he be referring to? Then I remember that headline. I'm like, could that be what he's referring to? And I started thinking about who could die in this movie and then you'd be weird. Like, that's not a spoiler. I'm like, oh, it's Darth Maul. <laughs> yep. I think as soon as I heard the words Crimson Dawn, I'm like, oh, I bet it's Darth Maul. Because um, I knew Darth Maul was alive. Yep. I hadn't watched Clone Wars at this point. Um, I have now, and I'm now watching Rebels. So I'm getting caught up, people. Um, but I was aware that Darth Maul had survived in canon. Um, but that's a whole other thing is that I, you know, when we have our solo podcast, I'll, I'll share my, my thoughts about that. I can't wait to talk about my Darth Um, Maul thoughts on our Star Wars podcast. You'll be doing that solo podcast by yourself. I'll I'll go on a solo podcast. Anytime (laughs) to talk about the Millennium Falcon and Chewie. Don't ruin the joke, Robert. Um, but what were we talking about? We were talking about spoilers. Oh yeah. No, when Angela and I go to see these movies now, we've started like wearing headphones (laughs) and listening to music and podcasts while we're waiting to go into the theater so that we won't hear... We won't get like a drive-by Homer Simpsoning of "Wow, I never would have guessed Darth Vader was Luke's father." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's always the shot I think of when I think of people talking about being spoiled in theaters. By the way, I always think of that. Me sequence. too. Yeah, I mean, I mostly think in Simpsons <laughs> references anyway, um, but that one in particular is very relevant. <laughs> okay, ready to cry again? So we get into the aftermath at this point. Oh yeah, yeah, back to crying. <laughs> Clint reunites with his resurrected family, and Peter Parker reunites with Ned Leeds at school. Tony Stark's voiceover begins to talk about the things he hopes for the future. Hope, Scott, and Cassie sit together, looking at the stars while Tony talks about families being reunited. As he talks about not being alone in the universe, the epic forces of light and darkness, T'Challa, Shuri, and Ramonda, their mother, look out over a celebrating Wakanda. The voiceover is shown to be a hologram Tony recorded on his helmet before the time heist as a message to Morgan and Pepper, in case he didn't survive. It is being delivered to the two of them, along with Steve, Thor, Rhodey, and Happy Hogan, all dressed in black. Tony expresses concern over the survivability of the heist, but admits, then again, that's the hero gig. Part of the journey is the end. What am I tripping for? Everything's going to work out exactly the way it's supposed to. Before shutting off the recording, he looks at his daughter, expressing, I love you 3,000. And Robbie wrote, literally everyone in the theater cries. (laughs) I think everyone on the podcast also cries. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Now, Peach, while all this is happening, we're getting, starting to get the the flowings of the, the music of this scene. And this isn't the first time we've heard this music, is it? No, and I, and I don't have a, a lot to say about this because the music really speaks for itself. Um, you probably listening to us talk about it and thinking about the music, and maybe you're also sad with us, so I'm sorry. I just wanted to point out, and, and it was weird, I guess, to figure out where we were going to put this in the notes, but if you go back and you rewatch Endgame, um, at the very beginning, when we think Tony might die on the ship that he and Nebula are on, um, a slightly modified version of this song is also playing on that ship uh, which then kind of transitions into the full version of the song before Captain Marvel shows up and and bright lights him back to life Um, but this music is so moving I don't I don't know how I can describe it in ways that you all don't already know but this music is so effective after a scene not just a scene where we watched um a person die but a scene that we watched 
the start and the end of the MCU like finish. Tony was the beginning and now he's the end and the music is not just his funeral it's it just really does feel and it's not over but it does feel like the MCU no, I know is over mean. in a way with at least with uh, this song. Um, the main chapter. Yeah, it's and it cause, so it's not just about the death of Tony, right? It's about mm-hmm. this epic saga that you've been riding along with us that you've watched at this point what was it 21 movies this is the 21st movie this is it like this is that story and we're gonna have a nice little fun epilogue for you afterwards with uh far from home but that's kind of like the after credits scene of the entire mcu at this point right like movies one through 21 are the movie and Spider-Man Far From Home is the, okay, we stayed after the credits in the theater. This is what we get to watch. This is fun. Haha, fun times. So it's just, it's it's a very moving score. And I, I'm glad that I noticed that it plays twice in this movie, both when you think that Tony is dead and then when he's actually dead. Uh, but it's also sad to notice that. And so now you all know that. Yeah. Would it hurt your heart yeah, to know that sec- it's called The Real Hero? Oh, I already. Oh, yeah. oh God! Yeah. Why did you like do that? The audience should know. Can you look up? Yeah. Can you look up while I make a point? What the name of the music for sacrificing yourself to the Soul Stone is called? Oh, um, God! I used uh, or being sacrificed by forced by your yeah. Is father. it my, is it just Bormir? No, it was on Infinity War. Um, because it's the same theme in Infinity War. So I used it um at the end of the episode. Yeah, I'll, I'll find it. One thing I will say about this: everything you said. I so I'm actually glad you brought that up peach because that was one of the things that i wanted to talk about when we were getting ready for this this movie i knew this the second time i watched it because this song almost instantly became iconic like on the internet you will now see this song used for making people sad like so many of people know what this this song is from and it's emotional and it works perfectly because alan silvestri is a genius but also yeah on your rewatch and and I've, re- I've watched this film now several times, but in particular, the rewatch when I was getting ready for this podcast. And so I'm paying attention to the detail and just listening to that music play when Tony Stark is about to die, but doesn't die. And it just means when you're rewatching this and you've already seen this film, it just punches you again at the start of the movie. It's just like, <laughs> hey, remember what this song means? You know what's coming. Gut punch. Hope you Houdini'd yourself. It's... <laughs> so... But there's not, there's another example of this in this movie, and I did not realize this until recently. But when Natasha is talking to Steve about how she can't quit, everything in her life is, she can't move on because everything in her life is her, is her, this family is getting them back and is running, you know, the new version of S.H.I.E.L.D. to protect the galaxy. When she's talking about that and talking about how she can't move on until this is all fixed, the... Vormir sacrifice music is playing just lightly behind. No, her. it does not. It's called uh-huh. "Even for You." Oh my! By the way, "Even yeah. for You." Mm-hmm. Oh my god. Uh huh. I gotta. And watch so it this again. movie does this twice to you, because because that one is it's foreshadowing her death. It's recalling Gamora's death. It's yeah. That's sneaky. Yes. That is so sneaky. I'm yes. mad at you, Alan. We're on a first name basis now. <laughs> I'm so yeah, mad I'm calling is... you by your first name. Alan Peach. <laughs> and I'll, I'll bring it up again. This movie was not nominated for Best Original Score. Oh, and, and he... Oh, gosh. 
He does everything that we've complained about the MCU not doing uh, in this movie. Yeah, correct. And there's so much, and, and in Infinity War as well. Like a, as a full piece, I'm so glad they brought him back. I mean, because Sylvester mm-hmm. is just a great film composer anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sorry. I'm listening to the music right now just to get me in the proper headspace of, you know, complete Ooh. and total devastation. Uh, <laughs> oh, and the way the music is is it's stirring as he is talking about the healing. Like, yeah, we know he's dead, and we know we mm-hmm. know he's delivering his own eulogy. You don't know how yet, but as we're looking over those shots of Wakanda and um, and Scott and his family and and Hawkeye and his family, the music is very stirring. Stirring. It's it's celebratory. It's emotional, but it's celebratory. But then as soon as Pepper is carrying that wreath, it turns into the... I don't even know what the instrumentation is. I wish your wife was here. Yeah. But the the way this song transitions as Pepper starts carrying that wreath out of the house is... Like the bugle drops. It's not, yes. it's not like a bugle, yeah. literally, but like the fanfare part of that song stops and it, it, it feels hollow. Because yeah, up until then, it's very Copeland. It's like big sweeping mm-hmm. yeah. strings. Um... And yeah, at that moment, it—I don't know if it's a celeste you know the... or yeah, it turns from like graduation music to actual funeral funeral music. As we go on, yeah. we okay. You know what the gut punch really is for me though. What? Um, and and you're probably going to end up saying this in the script, so sorry. But the gut punch for me is after all of that, you get that tiny scene between. Happy and Morgan mm-hmm. talking about how she likes cheeseburgers and cheeseburgers. that just like okay let's remind let's remind the audience that he did it for his daughter uh-huh. okay great call back to the first Iron Man too you know yep I want American yeah, cheeseburger that just occurred to me today actually yep. yeah now I want a cheeseburger you like cheeseburgers <laughs> I also want a cheeseburger. Good luck, Eduardo. You got to make it through the rest of this. <laughs> Pepper takes the original arc reactor in the case oh, she placed it in as a gift to Tony, still inscribed with the words, proof that Tony Stark has a heart. I'm actually going to cry. I'm sorry. <laughs> placed in a small wreath of flowers. Pepper lays the reactor in the river outside their home, and it floats away. A single shot shows most of the Marvel's heroes assembled for Tony's funeral, as well as Harley from Iron Man 3, Thunderbolt Ross, and standing alone in the distance, Nick Fury. The oh, Russos God, said that this was shot the way they shot, this was influenced by the way funerals are in comic books. And if you've ever read a, com- ever read a comic book with a funeral, everyone's in black and they bring back, they bring out a bunch of people from, you know, the universe and they all have them stand in clumps so they're recognizable. And, they said that they shot this scene to be that and they absolutely pulled it off. This 100% feels like what funerals feel like in comic books. The only one that wasn't recognizable for me was Harley because we haven't seen him since he was a child. (laughs) And now we all looked up Harley. (laughs) But then you find out who it is and you're like, Oh God. Yep. Yep. (laughs) And Gamora's not there. That's another little hidden, like, stab the little stabby nugget that they gave you like we know they're gonna look that kid up because they don't recognize him uh-huh. anymore oh. when they do look him up they're gonna be sad all over again yeah, another stab that maybe he kept in touch with him all these years right right yeah or he's iron lad yeah 
Uh, but the 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 fortunately, there's Tony no more emotion to be heart. found. The I'm just going to talk just for a second about the arc <laughs> reactor. Then the, the mm-hmm. proof Tony Stark has heart. That just because that's such a already in Iron Man is a really great emotional thing that then also really pays off in the end when he's able to use it. Mm-hmm. I don't know to to save the day, and. It was the last thing I was expecting to see. And, oh, it just, it, it got me again watching it this time, you know, a couple weeks ago for this. And that's all. I just wanted to. It's such a perfect, oh. painful callback. Yeah. Like, it is a perfect callback. And God, it hurts. Yeah. I know it's. And call, we've talked a lot about callbacks and you know a lot of times callbacks are to make the audience smile or make you laugh or to remind you of a fun thing that happened but sometimes those callbacks can be used to devastating emotional effect and mm-hmm. that's that's one of them and I just we've realized got another one coming up <laughs> the mysterious people were looking for that watched this movie without watching the rest of the MCU they didn't have to get punched in the face by Tony proofs Tony Stark's at Tony Stark has a heart. They oh, didn't get Stony the reference. Tark. <laughs> Stony Tark. Stony Tark. That's what they call the Stony statue Stark. of a grand moth. A Stony Tark. <laughs> oh my <laughs> Clint and Wanda stand together on the river discussing the loved ones they lost who didn't return. Clint says he wishes there were a way he could let Nat know they won. Wanda ensures him both she and Vision know. Morgan tells Happy she wants a cheeseburger. Happy tells Morgan her dad loved cheeseburgers, and he'll give her all the cheeseburgers she wants. Mm. Thor and Valkyrie look over new Asgard. Valkyrie asks when Thor can be expected back. When Thor balks, Valkyrie says their people need a king, and Thor says they already have one, her. It's time for me to be who I am instead of who I'm supposed to be. Valkyrie promises to make a lot of changes, and Thor replies, I'm counting on it, your majesty. Thor says, happily, for the first time in thousands of years, he has no path, and joins the Guardians of the Galaxy on the Benatar. Quill is searching for Gamora on the star map, but ends it when Thor arrives, calling the Asgardians of the Galaxy back together. The two bicker over who can touch the map and are encouraged by the other guardians to fight over who is in charge. Yes, yes use knives. knives. <laughs> Man, both of you jumped on that. That's uh, <laughs> so great. Mantis just like sneaks in with the great lines all the time. Thor agrees that Quill is in charge, but shoots him a patronizing look. Hulk, Steve, Bucky, and Sam arrive at a rebuilt quantum tunnel. Steve is going to use the tunnel to return the time stones to the exact point in time in which they were taken, as well as Mjolnir. Hulk reminds him they need to be taken back to the exact point or alternative realities will crop up. Steve promises to clip all the branches. Hulk says he tried to bring Nat back with the snap, but he wasn't able to. Bruce tells Sam, Steve, as long as he needs, but for them it will only be five seconds. Despite it only being five seconds, Bucky tells Steve he will miss him. Are we taking this as if Bucky and Steve have already talked yeah, about it? Yeah, Bucky knows. Bucky 100% Buc- knows. He yes. knows exactly yeah. what's going yeah. on. They've talked like... about it. They know. Um, yeah. And I th- There's no way they and know. And I think that's important. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And for the record, the Russos confirmed that on the commentary. Yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and say this now before we even get to it. There were some people who were very upset that Bucky was not deemed the successor to Captain America. I'm a... I'm a Sebastian Stan, um, <laughs> as far as Bucky. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I'm a, I'm a, I, I have a soft spot for Bucky. I have a soft spot for the Winter Soldier as characters. Um, I 100% agree with the decision not to make him Captain America because I think Bucky is more interesting as the Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. And, and especially with the way his arc has gone in the MCU, I am very excited to see him continue as the Winter Soldier. With a new Captain America, I think that I think that is a more interesting story than the Winter Soldier somehow trying to be Captain America. I think for this Winter Soldier in this universe, it doesn't make sense. So I, I 100% agree with the decision uh, to not make him Captain America, and and to to go with Sam instead. Uh, but I will not. That's that's all I have to say about that. So I'll back off, and we can continue talking. <laughs> <sighs> Hulk says he tried to bring Nat back with the snap, but wasn't able to. Bruce tells Steve and Sam. Uh, Bruce tells Sam Steve has long as he need as long as he needs, but for them it would only be five seconds. Despite only being five seconds, Bucky tells Steve he will miss him. Roger Rogers shrinks down to quantum size, but does not return when Hulk tries to call him back. As Banner tries to recover him, and an angry Sam demands to know what happened, Bucky quietly walks away. Barnes notices an old man sitting on a nearby branch or bench and tells Wilson to go talk to him. The old man in the tree. <laughs> <laughs> Sam recognizes the old man as Steve, asking him if something went wrong or if something went right. Steve tells him he decided to get some of that life Tony was talking about, and it was beautiful. Wilson says he is happy for his friend, but sad to live in a world without Captain America. And Rogers picks up an intact shield and gives it to Sam. When Sam says it feels good, Steve confirms that's because it's for him. Sam says, I'll do my best, which Steve responds to with, I know you will, and shakes his hand. New Cap recognizes a wedding band on old Cap's hand and asks if he wants to talk about her. And Steve, in another wonderful <laughs> meme, <laughs> no, uh-huh. I don't think I will. <laughs> A flashback shows an open door to Peggy Carter's house as she and Steve are dancing to It's Been a Long, Long Time in Her Living Room. The two exchange a kiss as the film fades to credits. Now, Peaches, we're going to talk about your point in just a moment. But Chris, mm-hmm. since you're already emotional... Yeah, you can, uh, y'all can't see how shiny my eyes are right now. <laughs> all you folks we were talking about this just before your wedding because this movie came out oh, just before yeah, your wedding. A week wedding. before my wedding. And we were talking about like, oh, this would be perfect for his wedding. It's such a shame that they already came up with like the song list. And I wonder if they'll sneak it in and we're at your wedding. And at some point, it's been a long, long time comes on. And I will, I will tell, I will tell the story. We had already picked what our first dance was going to be, what our, you know, parents dance were going to be. But one of the things that we had talked about with the DJ was uh, like, they had said, oh, and pick a song for your first dance with everybody. They said, you know, pick, pick your first dance, your parents' dances, and then the first dance for everyone. So literally, I think on my way to the rehearsal, or it might have been the night before, uh, but, but I'm pretty sure it was the, the rehearsal. Uh, we were 
um, going somewhere. And I had been thinking about it for a while. Uh, I was like, how can he use a song? And then I remembered that they had mentioned the first dance for everyone. So I, on the way to the rehearsal or something, I emailed the DJs and said, hey, um, can you, you make this song the first dance, uh, the, the, the everyone first dance? And they wrote back like within half an hour. I said, yeah, absolutely. Um, shout out to Soul, Soul Performance Entertainment. They were amazing. If you're in New they Jersey. They were actually can um, confirm. <laughs> Yeah. Um, they, yeah, they were great. Yeah, um, I, I feel like I could give them a plug because here's how great they were. We met them one year and signed up for them. Didn't see them for another year. Saw them uh, saw them a year later, and the guy sees me from Crossway. He says, "Chris, I don't know how uh, people who can do that. I, I'm mm-hmm. just like in awe of them. Um, like that's why they're Can't even remember you but guys anyway. names. Yeah, Pete, you guys Plums over here. I don't know. Um, <laughs> It's pears. Sorry, okay. sorry. Uh, um, no, but uh, I also did not tell anyone that I had picked that I had asked them to play the song, so it was a surprise to everyone, including Angela. Um, but it just felt very appropriate, uh, considering that on our not technically our first date, but the first weekend that we were getting to know each other and not calling it dating yet, but we totally were. She came over to my apartment and we watched Captain America, the first Avenger, um, because we had even before we started watched. No, we we did. <laughs> <laughs> she actually was very, very sick. Um, <laughs> she had no voice, um, but but we had even talked about how much we both loved Captain the Captain America. Uh, well, just the first one, because Winter Soldier hadn't even come out yet, but. We talked about how Captain America was our favorite Avenger before we were even considering dating. Um, so Captain America and Peggy have been like weirdly important to our relationship, like going back to the beginning. So it was incredibly appropriate to have that song play as as a dance for for the wedding. So I was very happy with it, and I think you, a lot of people were. Had you? Sorry to. You you can choose not to answer this if okay. you want to. Did you already have a song chosen for the everyone dance? I honestly don't remember. Um, okay, I was I was curious what it would would have I, been, I, but I do not. Re- I could probably look through old emails and find it, um, but uh, it wouldn't have been as good as that one. Okay, yeah. now you don't have to go through with the effort. I yeah. was just curious if you like. It was like. The Cotton Eye Joe, you know. <laughs> yes, that was uh, that. That's probably what it was. You're right. Gangnam Style. All right, so Angela, we talked about that. You have your perspective. Yeah, it. Um, he and I, I think, were both kind of weepy at the end of Endgame um, when they played. It's been a long, long time. Is that actually mm-hmm. the name of the song? Dude, I am. I am not. Uh, I am not a good replacement for the sound lord. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't know titles of songs very well. I just hum them like poorly until someone recognizes what I'm humming. <laughs> I think it's been a long, long time is the name of the song. Um, but anyway, I believe you, you know, when Cap and, and Peggy finally get to be together, which is something Chris and I, especially the two of us had been waiting for for so long. Cause he and I both love those characters to pieces and to finally see that get resolved was so beautiful and the song is so beautiful and Chris it was his idea to put it in as like our 
Um, it wasn't our song. It wasn't our like first dance song, but it was the song that once all the dance first dances were over, like with parents and stuff, that was the, okay, now everyone, you know, if you've got a special someone, everyone on the dance floor. Um, and that was like the first kind of couples dance at our wedding. Oh yeah. And it was oh, just yeah. so time. cool looking or like hearing that song and looking around at all of our friends, again, many of whom we share this MCU obsession with and, you know, even people without significant others still like dancing together and like everyone squeezed onto this tiny little dance floor. And <laughs> it was so beautiful. Like that almost made me cry more than <laughs> my, my own like first dance with my husband. <laughs> Oh no! We'll we'll edit this part out. He doesn't have to hear that part. Uh-oh. Well, my father had already broken me before that, so you know. Fair, <laughs> yeah. Fair works were already <laughs> let loose. Just leave that faucet running. <laughs> so, during your wedding, this song plays, uh-huh. and I take my wife and I bring her over to the dance floor, and we're dancing. And then I look over and I see Peaches, and he's alone. And so I look and I tap somebody on the shoulder and I say, hey, can you take my wife? Please. And so I can go dance with my boyfriend. Uh-huh. And this person <laughs> is very nice and he takes my wife. And so I dance with Peaches. And that was the first time I met Danny. That's true. Oh, wow. <laughs> I remember seeing and Danny then, dancing with Bailey. I'm like, oh, okay. And then I and saw then you dancing Danny with Peaches. danced with like, me. Okay, I understand now. <laughs> then when you went back to your wife, Danny came and danced with me afterwards. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I got that I got to dance with added people. To my emotions around this song because like I liked your wedding and I was happy for you guys and it was a good wedding and there was and the film was really fresh. <laughs> but it's no, no, no that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Is I'm saying that like the wedding, the fact that you used it at what was you know an important event. It wasn't my wedding, but it was still an important event in my life. Um, mm. Added to it. Plus, I just really really enjoyed that dance with my wife. So it was and. Yeah, so now... I enjoyed that dance with my wife, too. Sure. <laughs> okay. Oh, my way. Oh, my way. Um, plus, and we pointed this out before, that Sorry. very wedding re- just uh, reception was also the birth of this podcast. Yep, that was later on. They said, so we're doing a... Po- I, we're making our rounds to the tables, and Eduardo says, so we're doing a podcast. And I'm laughing, thinking it's a joke, and then, no, actually, seriously, like, no, we want to go through the entire Marvel I was, uh, universe. And- I was seated next to Eduardo at the same table, and he and I discussed, he brought it up, and I said yes, and then you came over, and I will still... I can still see the conversation in my mind's eyes. He pulled you down <laughs> and started telling you, yeah. as you had just gotten married, about this podcast we were all going to do. <laughs> Uh-huh. And here we are. And if right. I if I remember my part in this properly, it was Eduardo and I had already been doing squad up for a little while, yep. and occasionally we had guests, but most of the time it was just he and I. And uh, it, basically anything Eduardo said we were gonna do, I always was just like, "Yep, we'll do that." And so he's like, "Yeah, we're doing a podcast," and I'm like, "You're right, we are." <laughs> and at this point, I had and I remember shrimp and crab legs and hollandaise sauce to feed a planet. <laughs> an ego and i remember uh being in hawaii um on my honeymoon getting all these notifications yeah i'm bragging a little bit um, <laughs> um and i'm looking like oh hey they're recording a sam raimi spider-man test episode tonight <laughs> cool y'all have fun with that yeah it all like came together we're gonna really go with the up on the beach <laughs> Yeah, once we decided we were doing this podcast, it all just happened really fast. It really did. It just kind of 
just spraying it all together. But we can talk about that at the end of the episode. Yeah. As the 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 the, the end retrospective as we close the chapter on this. But let's just finish the movie at this point. Peaches. Yo. Time travel. <laughs> it's weird. Oh right? yeah. This- is, yeah, this is weird. So we talked about this um, uh, one of the parts, part one or two. I don't know. I don't remember at this point. It was uh, only three hours ago. Um, yeah, so time travel really messes with people in this movie. And the really the only... And I had stated that as long as it doesn't, like, like really bother me that much, like, it's not something super convoluted or, or a big stretch, it doesn't really bother me. I will say with the asterisk that the only scene that initially really confused me in this movie was this scene at the very end because they go to lengths in several scenes to talk about how time travel is not actually time travel. It's basically what we spoke of in the previous episode that they're in a sense, they're really just reality hopping to a parallel reality and they're borrowing things from that and coming back. So it doesn't really make sense if cap uses the pim particles to time travel quote unquote time travel and then that same cap is in the universe he just time traveled from as an old man because in theory um he was going to age at the same rate as all of those other people so for him to be old man captain rogers they would have had to also be old man bucky old man bruce and old man stan uh Nope, I already said that. Old Man Sam. <laughs> so I looked this up because this one actually confused me. And I guess the Russo brothers kind of like, I don't know if this was long after the fact or right away or whatever, but they talk, they talk about how Old Man Steve apparently planned this like elaborate dramatic reveal where he, instead of using the pin particles he would have used to come back, he just held on to them and used them to come back at a point similar like this around the same time that he would have come back in the original plan and then he kind of like walks over to the bench and is just but where waiting from them somewhere in the distance not on the okay. platform they explain that he he comes back somewhere nearby where he can walk over to the bench and sit down on it and be ready for them because it would have been the point weird. of the platform it well uh, originally he would have come back on the platform but why? Right. But what's the point of the I platform? Because just... there aren't platforms in the past for them to pop out on. Right. I don't know. I think the platform no is idea. just a way to focus where they come back. But I mean, I guess even then they didn't need that because they were able to go yeah. where they wanted to in the past. It probably I... just provides a, a good visual for the person at the controls. Like, okay, I can see that all four of us are mm-hmm. here on this podcast because I'm looking at a video feed of each one of us. And it would be less... Uh, obvious to me that we were all for here if I didn't see your faces. I feel like it's probably the same thing. And that was kind of my interpretation when I first saw it was it's not so much that this is this Steve has lived around and knew that this was the day I need to walk up. I interpret it as instead of coming straight back, he enjoyed time with Peggy, then came back. We just didn't Mm -hmm. see him come back. That does make sense to me. It just feels like everyone disagreed with that being the interpretation. Yeah. You just have, yeah, you have to remember that it's it's him in a different timeline. So it's him in reality B, living his life until he's 70, 80, however many years old he ends up being in that scene. And then somehow 
triggering the this that's the part that i don't fully understand is without bruce's help how does he trigger the pin particles to get him to come back i mean maybe he can just throw him in the suit and it works right um well again they didn't have anyone guiding them as they were on the time heist either right yeah that's true yeah that's true so he i guess he probably knows how to do it but um but yeah it's reality b steve well, reality A, Steve, in reality B, living life in reality B until he comes back through the trees in reality A. Yeah. I think part of why people were really, really stuck on the idea, even though the movie felt, even though the movie already explained that you can't change your future, people were really stuck on this did change his future. He's actually, maybe he's actually Sharon's relative and then they kiss and it's like, no. I feel like that you had to ignore how this movie was handling time travel for that to be your takeaway. I don't think it was but I also deliberate, f- though. Right, right. I, I just feel like the film... You have a movie... But you have this movie that explains this concept, you're right, but it explained it like long before all this really dramatic, right. action-y, sad stuff yeah. in that order has happened. Yeah. And then you come back at the end of the movie and it behaves like you expect time travel in movies that have plot holes about Correct. time travel to yeah, play. Yeah, I think that makes sense. So you think of it like the old way and not the the way that they explained it earlier. I think that's where the issue lies. Yeah, I think you're probably right. And so I would say it feels like it's just not the right time for it. feels like in terms of the time travel, a quick explanation time. of what he did would have been helpful. But like this also really wasn't the point in the film that needed you to slow down. Hold on. Here's what Steve did. So you yeah. just accept it and figure it out <laughs> later, I guess. You can get one of those, um, like a Dave Matthews band song plays in the mm-hmm. background. And instead of the credits, it just tells you what all the Avengers are up to now. Right. One of those things. Where are they now? But no, I think everything you said made sense. And it, honestly, it makes me feel a little bit more okay with it. Like my brain is a little less broken. Yeah, it's definitely not the easiest thing to understand. Mm-hmm. It's just now I understand it because I looked it up, but initially it was yeah. like a No, that makes wait sense. Wait a second. You said this wouldn't work this way. Right. Right. <laughs> you tricked me. <laughs> no post-credit scene, but a series of clips showing each of the MCU major actors culminating in dramatic montages of each of the six original Avengers as the Alan Silvestri score swells with the actor's signatures written across the screen. And Chris, it's time to cry again. Yep. <laughs> uh, I mean, I already talked about how the Steve and Peggy thing makes me cry. But, God, I thought I was out of the woods. And then and then the credits hit me. I mean, you get the montage of, like, every actor um, to the, the main on end theme, which is like a major key version of portals if you pay attention to that uh but then it culminates in the actual avengers theme and then we get the original avengers and their signatures too which i think is really cool uh star trek 4 is that the movie that feige stole that from yes he, he like straight up says he goes oh yes. I, I stole that from star trek 4 yeah and, it, and that was his insistence and he was very emotional about it but i'm glad he got it my theater gave that sequence a standing ovation oh me too i are too you know same and i legitimately started crying again when because it sounds silly for me to after almost you know this is i think episode 28 of our show now after 28 episodes of 
digging way too deeply into these movies it, it feels silly for me to say it's just a movie these it's just a movie series but it's you know it and and, and sometimes it feels silly to say that it's more than movie series but at this point you know these movies have been a staple for a third of my life the because what iron man came out was it 2008 right mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I I was twenty years old when uh, uh, when when Iron Man came out, and I was thirty one when Endgame came out, and I know that's that's a solid ten eleven years. That is a third of my life uh, that I have been a fan of these Marvel movies, and especially especially as they really started to pick up, and as I moved to a place and got a job at a place where all of us were really into it and that every time a new movie came out it was an event and yeah it's like a big cultural event uh, especially these these last two avengers movies that there were like these seminal moments in pop culture in movie going uh, but more even more than that whenever these movies came out it was a big thing among our friends so it became really important i, I already talked about how you know, in in some kind of silly ways, the Captain America movies were important to me and Angela in our in our relationship. Uh, starting out, I didn't even get into me awkwardly asking her to come see Winter Soldier with us two months before Winter Soldier came out. Um, back when I just had a crush on her, <laughs> and and I asked her in the most obvious and awkward way possible, and I don't know how she didn't figure it out, <laughs> um, but. You know, it, it, it's so like I, I, I associate a lot of very important friendships and relationships and moments with these movies. And this is an ending. And yeah, I know technically Far From Home is the end of phase three. Uh, but really, this is the culmination of all of these movies and seeing it just up on screen and seeing the movie kind of acknowledge. Mm-hmm. Yep, this is this is an end. And this is, uh, you know, thanks for coming along on this ride with us like it uh, to i mean again uh, it it chokes me up even watching it now having seen the movie knowing it's coming but when i didn't know it was coming my god (laughs) you know it it just really yeah it's you know maybe it's silly to get this caught up in superhero comic book movies i don't know but it no it's not and it's great and i'm with you like the emotions are we just watched Tony Stark die. We just watched Captain America get his happy ending, which I want to get back to in a minute. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, a little while ago, we also saw Natasha die. We saw Hulk, or we saw Thor grow. It's, there's a lot of emotions that we just saw in the film, but also there's an emotional attachment to this franchise. And this was such a perfect sign-off, literally a sign-off. It literally signed their names. They're signing off. Mm-hmm. So I agree. And just like you, yeah, it's attached to a whole lot of things. In, in you know in my life I um I believe at least you and peaches but I think maybe all of us met just around before Avengers came out and so for almost the entire franchise I've known you guys and that's why we're sitting here talking on this podcast together but lots of other people I, I mean I had a friend that um I had a friend that these were her life like she loved the MCU and she unfortunately passed away before she got to see phase three and i think about that a lot like every time i see a new marvel movie now I, I think about what would her reaction be to these and so i yeah i absolutely understand and 
um, when my wife and I met, it was shortly after Iron Man had come out. I made her watch that movie because, you know, hey, look at this. They made this Marvel movie about this character that other people don't care about. And I like it. And you have to watch it now. And she said, no, I don't like superhero movies. She was wrong. She loves superhero movies. But she thought she didn't like superhero movies. <laughs> Um, and so I made her watch Iron Man and she changed her mind. And then by Avengers, she was into the MCU and Avengers was right after we got married. Like this is so much in my life was actually tied to the MCU was like the, the, um, the background audio of my adult life, if you will. And so there are a lot of emotions in it that aren't just the movies. They represent more than just the movies. And then also the growth of these movies. The fact that when Iron Man came out, I cared about Iron Man. But it, while it was a successful movie that people liked, it wasn't a cultural moment. I definitely found people that like, oh my god, look, you know, there's a Ten Rings reference. And they used Ironmonger. Mm -hmm. And like, okay, yeah, those people existed. But for the most part, it was like, hey, this is a good superhero movie that is just, it's different. It's not, it's its own thing. It is not, you know, it's, it's not a... Uh, 1970s superman and it's not the dark knight and it's not one of those it's just its own highly polished superhero movie but then what it became then when avengers happened overnight this was a sensation and then by endgame it's this movie that everyone watches that everyone loves mm -hmm. and so watching something i loved become something that almost literally everyone loves was a big deal and it was so fun sitting in that theater as people are crying and, and giving this applause to something that I never thought would happen. And so, yeah, there is a lot of emotion mm -hmm. in it. And you're not alone. Like, it, it's, it's again, it's not just that Tony Stark died. In fact, actually, I think it's very little that Tony Stark died. I think exactly what Peach has said, Tony Stark's death is, yes, yeah, Tony Stark's death, but a lot of it is is the MCU's death, but in a, in a happy way, if you will, almost. Or, or maybe a melancholy way, a bittersweet way. And so, yeah, no, extremely yeah. emotional. Um, I have another thought, but I want to hear these guys talk about emotion first. Mm -hmm. The sign-off for me is just another reminder of that. It's just a, yo, check it out. P actors and actresses don't do this after a movie that they're, hey, we're going to be in the next one, don't worry, but we're going to sign in the credits. Like, they get their little, their little cool montage of a uh, little... Uh, pieces of artwork of all their character moments like iconic character moments and then the signature like you know that means for most of those uh most of those actors and actresses that it's it's done and yeah it, the mcu as a whole is not done but this story that we've invested all this time in whether it's in the actual films watching them or with the people that we care about like we know that that's this is the bow on top of the gift and uh it's now it's now nice and nice and tight mm -hmm. so it's just it's just one of those things mm -hmm. where it's it's a reminder of the end yeah there will be avengers in the future but it won't be these avengers the yes the original avengers uh for many people their avengers mm -hmm. sure absolutely and i think it's you know it's sort of a culmination right we've they use the the moniker, the most ambitious crossover, a culmination of everything. We're in the end game now. All these words talk about, you know, this is there's finality to it. 
And I think this kind of puts it at that that point. And I also want to talk about what it was like not having a post credit scene. And we are still living in this world where we don't really know where the MCU is headed. We know movies are slated for the future. We know there are Disney Plus series. We know that there are these things that are going to be happening. We know Black Widow is coming out later this year. But no one actually knows what direction the MCU is going. And that is both terrifying and incredibly exciting because Mm -hmm. they can take it wherever they want. Robbie Mm -hmm. made me think of something when he was talking about Iron Man at the beginning. He talked about how in Iron Man, we talked about the Ten Rings reference. And I think at that time, we were still in a point where we were okay with things just being referenced because we understood that the things that we were watching needed to be grounded in some sort of realism to get like a major audience to watch. And so it was okay that the 10 rings were some sort of terrorist organization because at least it was being mentioned a little bit. At least we're getting that little bit in this Iron Man movie. Dark Knight in that way. Mm -hmm. Dark Knight. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But now we're at the point where if the 10 rings are mentioned and they're not on the real Mandarin's hand, people are going to get really upset. And they did, but people are going to get, <laughs> you know, really upset. And it's an, an incredible to see this sort of timeline is where we've started to where we've gotten. And we're getting know? a movie with 10 rings in the title now. Right. <laughs> right. Shang-Chi and the legend of the 10 rings. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy enough. We're getting a Shang-Chi a full... movie, but <laughs> I think we should do, and we've discussed this, um, and if you, the listeners, have an opinion on this, please write to us uh, in several varieties that are available to you that Eduardo will mention at the end of this podcast. <laughs> but I I think we should do a full bonus episode. I don't know how long it will end up being, just on like reflecting on this whole mm-hmm. thing and also kind of hypothesizing what we think it's going to yeah, be in the future. Because mm-hmm. I think if we start going down this path right now, we're going to have a four-hour episode yeah. on our hands. Yeah, and we can like But I really want to. changed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, and I'm like, I'm holding my tongue because I'm like trying to say, oh, I think this might happen. I don't know if this will happen. And I'm like, no, because we'll just keep what going. What if I told you we're already close to a four hour episode? <laughs> well, five hour episode, then. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd yeah, like to point so, out that one point the person that just oh, said that asked me, is there enough content for this episode? Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I was no, wrong. No, no. Oh, Chris. I was afraid that if we just talked about the fight scene in this episode, that it wouldn't uh, be enough. Little but. did you. Re- I think I stopped worrying about how much content we could put on an episode after like. <laughs> <laughs> so, Chris, as we're talking about the emotions, um, and specifically you bringing up talking about the emotions and talking about the sign off, the one original avenger we haven't talked about and talked about his arc is captain america so i'm wondering how you feel about his move through the mcu and how you feel about his uh final arc his finality and how he found his closure first thing you need to know about me is i'm a romantic like when it comes to things like this so for him to get the happy ending with peggy was everything I wanted and didn't think I could have. <laughs> um, the, I, we talked about this back on the Captain America, the first Avenger episode, but the, the line, I had a date, like destroys me every time I watch that movie. It's, it's a really, it's such a gut punch uh, of an ending for the, for that movie. And, to see them finally get that dance that they talked about 
just I couldn't think of a better way for Endgame to end. I couldn't think of a better final shot. I and I think and and I've heard some criticism of of his arc about how you know Steve would have sacrificed himself. He wouldn't have given up superheroing to go have this life. But but I think what we see at the end of Endgame and it's tied in with Tony's arc is the influence that Tony and Steve had on each other. Go back to Avengers and Steve saying, you're not the one to put your life on the line. And in the end, and not only in the end of Avengers, does he do that, but here in Endgame, Tony literally sacrifices himself to save the entire universe. And Tony has been telling Cap to loosen up all this time as well. And in Winter Soldier, we see him grappling with not only is he a man out of time, uh, but he's a man with the only thing that he knows how to do anymore is be a soldier. And he's not someone who ever wanted to be a soldier. He wanted to help. He he didn't like bullies. He was not fit to be a soldier. So he goes through this this procedure to become a superhero uh, so that he can do what's right so he can stand up for the people who cannot stand up for themselves and he getting brought to the future and going through avengers and then we see in winter soldier him you know struggling to find his place in civil war he loses peggy i mean not that they had much of a relationship at this point but you know he still was a presence in her life now uh even after all this time and his his the avengers being his new family and his new calling and just watching him evolve through all this and finally to be able to find peace and find happiness which i think is and i I can't speak for I've, i've never been in the military or anything Uh, But if you look at Captain America as a soldier, as someone who joined the military and then joined the Avengers and has been fighting his whole life uh, because that's all he can do, that's all he knows how to do, Uh, not that he doesn't know how to do other things because he's also a caring, compassionate human being, Uh, but he's just someone that deserved a reward, I think. He, He deserved to now find the life that he never could have had before. And I, I, I was just, I found it very emotionally satisfying and gratifying to, uh, uh, that it closed in that way. And, and that, and the, and that he specifically says, I decided to find some of that life that Tony was always telling me that I should, I should get that, that he, 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 he credits Tony, uh, as the one who, who taught him it is okay to have a life it is okay to you know tony has, has since age of ultron been talking about the goal is to not need the avengers anymore and, and the goal is to be able to stop fighting and that it is okay to want those things it is not selfish it is not a bad thing to say well now i'm going to take some me time and i I don't know. I I personally was was very happy with how that happened, and I think again, 
argued in the past that Tony and Steve are the two main Avengers, and watching the way their their plots, especially in Endgame, but throughout the MCU, mirrored each other and influenced each other, and they were torn apart and they were brought back together, and in the end, they both learned from each other. Yeah, I can't top that. <laughs> I rambled a bit because it's like almost one o'clock and I'm... <laughs> No, no, I liked it though. I um I think I think the thing about Steve's arc is he doesn't have the dramatic growth or the ups and downs that we really see from the from some of the other characters. He is basically from point A to point B a likable character, but I don't think there's any, and yes, he does go through some growth and he does go through some changes, but he starts from such a rock steady place that it's more how he affects the character growth of the ones around him. I think Steve Rogers arc is more about how he affects the arc of the other people, which is not to call him a wooden, Mm -hmm. uninteresting personality because he's not. Um, But not every person in your story has to go through some dramatic growth. Um, and so I don't think there's anything wrong with having someone who is fun to root for, who you want to root for, and then get to see have a happy ending. Like, none of that is wrong. And so the MCU gave us many different things. One of the things it gave us is Steve Rogers. Um, and it gave us a great form of him, and I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for that. The fact that Captain America, and I never disliked Captain America, but growing up to me, Captain America was almost a joke. Like, not a full-on joke, but it was like, haha, man out of time who's really, uh, you know, a, a rigid, stereotypical Boy Scout around all the other Avengers. Like, he was more of a joke. And then the MCU turned him into, took those same personality traits, but turned it into sincere and enjoyable. And I'll forever be thankful for all the films we got of this character. Yeah, that's, that's something. I just, I'm so glad that they made this character sincere, that they took it seriously. Mm-hmm. And, Mm -hmm. you know, made him a good person and a stand-up person and the person that you want to be like uh, and that you wish more people were like. But he never came across as a corny character. Even Mm -hmm. even in First Avenger, which uh, I think is deliberately has some corny elements because uh, of its nature as trying to be a period piece, uh, which in my mind is successful. Uh, But even then, it is... You know they they take the character seriously, and that I think is what makes the difference. That uh, between the writing and Chris Evans just being, I think the only person who could play this character, uh, and he's just perfect as as Steve Rogers. Yeah. So I think about Captain America, and I think about his arc, and I think about. The differences, I mean, they're constantly talking about the differences between Tony and Steve, right? And they're, they play off of them for a reason, because they are two sides of the same coin. They're very different, but they end up having a lot of the same ideals in the end. Think about Iron Man as a character, and think about Captain America as a character, and think about their beginnings in movies. Iron Man was a surprise, because no one really knew about Iron Man, right? Like, you mm-hmm. had some people that kind of knew a little bit about him. They didn't really know too much, and they were like, yeah, whatever, it's Iron Man, not a big deal, and so they were surprised. Captain America, on the other hand, people knew who Captain America was and Mm -hmm. did not want a movie because they thought he'd be too boring. 
They yep. thought he'd be this like white bread, boring type of character, and what they end up finding was a was a much more complex and interesting character. And it's a really interesting telling of where we were as a society then and where we've headed to now. Where at the time, I think the idea for superheroes was to make them work. Is you have to, and part of this is the Dark Knight and the that whole Nolan series. But mm. you have to make them realistic and you have to make them gritty. They can't be too nice. They can't be too endearing they can't be too comic booky because all of those things won't work we need someone who's going to be a little bit darker and who's going to be a little bit gritty and a little bit real and iron man definitely leaned into that a little bit but was a lot more into the the mc that we know now but captain america was really the first time we saw them really delve deep into comic book type material i would say the first captain america has a little bit of that edginess to it as far as the war movie kind of thing and you know captain america having a gun on his side which is in the comics at some points but he doesn't ever have a gun again Mm -hmm. after the first captain america Um, but it's interesting to see people's reaction to this character um after they didn't want him at all right they didn't people didn't want captain america in the mcu they were very much like this character is boring i don't want him here Mm -hmm. and now they all love him Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm And so uh, I love that that sort of it's sort of like a really great story because Captain America is all about being a good person and it's all about doing things for other. He's all about doing things for other people. And it's wonderful that that is a prominent character on the vision of not only today's youth, but just people in general. Right. And so it's wonderful to see a character like that, which is, I think, tend to be why I tend to lean more towards the Captain America side than the Iron Man side is because it's always clear what Captain America's intentions are. He wants to help people. And it's wonderful to see just a hero that just wants to help people. That's uh that was my this is gonna be my contribution to this this little part is that that's that's what I like about Steve too. It every major character in the MCU has an arc that is uh kind of all over the place compared to Steve. Um you know, you've got Tony learning a thousand lessons back and forth in the first the first Iron Man arc that you talked about earlier. And then he's still learning lessons, but they're wildly different than the lessons he learned about being a shitty person in the first three movies. And you've got Thor going through the ups and downs of, you know, Shakespearean Thor trying to be royal and blah, 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 and regal and whatever. And then all the loss that he goes through. And, you know, all these characters, their arcs are like waves that have no pattern. And... Steve's arc is an arc, but it's so much more of a flat line, not in a boring way, in the way that he, no matter what he's doing in his, in his films, he is always a source of good. Like, there's no, there's no point where Cap, like, steers away from being a good person, a good human, someone trying to help others. And I think in a, in a universe that has a lot of people changing for the good or the bad, um, kind of similar to what Robbie said. Steve is there to remind everybody that good is the right. Yep, he's way. the catalyst that, for Natasha's that, arc. Yeah, and so I I appreciate him a lot as a character. I was just like you said, Eduardo, when they announced a Captain America movie. I didn't know too much about comics at the time, but I was like, who cares? Like, why? Do, like, I. Who wants that? And now I feel stupid for even thinking that. Um, so I, it's just nice to have that constant source of good in this franchise 
and and it'd be so unwavering yeah i want to give the the mcu credit for something you said eduardo this is hard but it's good um i think walt disney and designing theme parks i think those we, the four of us are theme park nerds we get this um and i think a lot of times not always but a lot of times nintendo is like that as a video game developer the best creators mm -hmm. don't give the people what they say they want they do a better job than the people can themselves of knowing what they actually want and i think in a lot mm -hmm. of ways the mcu they may have done this on accident because it's the characters they had access to but I think in a lot of ways the MCU did that. They gave people films that they didn't realize they wanted their superhero films to be. And that's really, really hard to be. But the best way you can be as a creator, and this is not me at all, is to anticipate what people really want, not listen to their words and what they say they want. And I think that's what the MCU did. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that probably starts at the top with feige and and, and promoter executive team um not not that <laughs> high up to the top <laughs> you know that that they looked at the characters that they had the characters that were basically the b-list and like well the, these are the ones we can make movies with but they happen to have leadership uh leadership and creative teams that believed in those characters and felt like that they had stories to tell with those characters that could resonate with people and and they did all right, now let's get into our MVPs, and we will start with our guests. All right, Angela, who is your MVP in Avengers Endgame? I know this will shock you, but Cap. <laughs> oh, that wasn't a Thor pun. I thought it was going to be a Thor pun. Oh, I'm man. not shocked. This will shield you, but Cap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can splice the other thing out. We'll use that instead. <laughs> Okay, no surprise here. Why? Yeah, so everything that I said about realizing that this was really his story the whole time, and I also just have such a soft spot for him, and he's his story is the one that I feel like I've followed the most closely, I think, out of all the Avengers or Marvel characters in general. Um, and it just gets paid off so nicely in this film. And, and America's ass, so, you know. <laughs> Captain America till the end of the line. Exactly. Lady Sound 2020. Cool. Hey guys, this is Cody. I believe the MVP of the entire MCU. I have show love to Iron Man. I'm a huge Spider-Man fan. Love Captain, but Iron Man just with his through lines through and through leading up to the ultimate sacrifice at the end. He is the reason that the MCU works so well and has that heart within it and i believe he deserves the mvp ultimate sacrifice movie got to give it to him all right danny let's hear it um who's gonna be your mvp for endgame uh it is indeed ant-man because oh yeah without him popping out uh i'll give a co-mvp to that that rat i guess that rat that uh opened up the uh or uh, pulled him back from the quantum realm. Oh, I thought you were talking about. I thought you were making a joke about Rocket for some reason. <laughs> oh well, no, he'll he's a second team. Ah. Uh, no, the 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 fact that he came back um, set everything in motion. So, sure. you know, it's I I had to 
go out of left field a little bit. I don't know. I mean, obvious choice is Tony Stark, right? So that'll be a little different. Well, even you haven't heard our episode yet. And That's even me. <laughs> you'll be interested to see who our MVPs actually are. Oh, okay. Because I think only one of us picked a predictable... Ah, I can't say predictable. That's rude to the person that picked it. But only <laughs> one of us picked Tony Stark. What a loser. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> Bailey, who's your MVP for the movie? Um. So this is the first male MVP I picked. I tried <laughs> to like think really hard to make a case for Morgan Stark, but I just really love her <laughs> and wanted to shout her out. But she's in the movie for like, 10 minutes so i don't think i could in good faith choose her as my mvp (laughs) um but i chose thor as the mvp um because i just really love his character arc throughout the movie i think he's so funny i think this is like the best version of thor in my opinion um because i refused to watch the dark world and Mm -hmm. i fell asleep during the first thor and just to see like how far he's come as a character and he goes through such an interesting um arc this movie that you guys also talked about at length i believe uh (laughs) and i just think this is the best thor and i love him so much but it's hard to pick an mvp for this movie because i feel like you could make a case for any of the main avengers as mvp yeah there are a lot of characters who would be worthy but worthiness is thor's whole thing so i guess that makes sense yeah and i also considered nebula but i had heard that some other people picked nebula and i didn't want (laughs) to (laughs) be with the cool kid crowd uh so thor thor's my mvp and that's that all right good choice (laughs) (laughs) all right robbie who's gonna be your mvp for Avengers Endgame. You know what's weird? Is this wasn't hard. You'd think this would be hard for this film. But it wasn't in any way. Um, it was very clearly for me. Someone I've really. For several episodes now. Wanted to call the MVP. Um, and thought I'd be on a limb here. But my MVP is Nebula. And that's so weird. It's so weird that we got to. The highest grossing film of all time. And. An awkward flaky redhead that's apparently a great actress playing nebula the space pirate is the mvp of the biggest film in that franchise for me but her her arc through the mcu um and her the emotion she goes through in this film the way this former villain that was supposed to die off is an emotional center of the film the scene where she has to shoot herself um the scene where she holds Rocket's hand, the scenes we talked about on the Benatar at the start of the film, there is so much great performance in this film. But to me, um, none of them are actually as great as they are, even close to Karen Gillan's Nebula. Um, what about you, Peach? I am going to be the most predictable person that the listeners could have uh, and throw the MVP of this movie to Tony. Um, and it it does have a lot to do with his ultimate sacrifice, but it really has to do with what I touched on earlier, um, on the fact that the MCU started and ended with Tony. Um, and yeah, we're talking about the MVP of this film, but 
the gravity of of what Tony does to save the universe is not as impactful without the rest of the MCU. If we just have this movie with Tony in it for the very first time, and he's the one making a sacrifice play, we wouldn't have had 10 years of development on a character that we've all grown to care about in some way. Um, We wouldn't have felt the way we felt during the funeral. Uh, He, he does a lot in this movie. Uh, If you wanted to be logical about it, he figures out time travel. Uh, He uh, ad libs the plan when Hulk doesn't like stairs very much. I mean, he has a lot of, intellectual contributions to this movie on his own um but he saves the day and and he wraps up he wraps up the the franchise to this point so it's it's tony for me what about you chris uh i actually also went with nebula which did surprise me a little bit oh yeah uh but i i just really enjoy her arc throughout all the movies and leading to this and, and it's just such a surprise and a delightful one at that that uh she i just got distracted because i could have gone with a prequels reference and i didn't (laughs) a surprise to be sure (laughs) but a welcome one um no but it's there's just such emotional gravity to her story and her performance and and again i said it before but i love that she goes from you know tertiary villain in guardians of the galaxy that in one draft might have died uh to full full-fledged avenger who finds herself emotionally and it's i i just really enjoy her story and and i think that it's just a, a really fun surprise really that that nebula of all characters uh is yep. you know so great in this movie mr eduardo we knew it was going to be one of us and turns out it was me my mvp for avengers endgame is loki is loki <laughs> <laughs> close <laughs> It's Thor. Hey, there we go. Yeah. I really like Thor in this movie. I love his arc in this movie. And I am so Mm -hmm. curious to see where they take this character in the future. I think they have done a wonderful job reinvigorating this character. And I'm almost also really impressed because they reinvigorated the character after the character was already reinvigorated in Thor Ragnarok. Right. And that's like double impressive to me, right? Like... Mm That's so incredible. I think Thor's story is wonderful in this movie, and I think he's great, and I'm excited to see where that character goes. One, I want to see him in the Guardians movie. I would love to see that happen. Uh Um, And I want to see how it happens afterwards. I want to see what happens in Love and Thunder. I want to see what happens with Jane. I want it all. I want all the Thor. Give me all the Thor. Yeah, no, I'm with you there, 100%. (laughs) He was a second choice for me. He's Tony, very so. close, but I also gave it to him last time, so <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah definitely did. up there for me. I, in fact, I actually think this is Thor's best movie, which is saying a lot. I would ask, how does this fit into the MCU? But this movie is <laughs> literally the MCU. I am there the no, MCU. <laughs> I am the MCU. <laughs> uh, so I don't think there's any point in that (laughs) ratings however we can go into our ratings we'll start with our guests once again all right so angela what would you rate 
Avengers Endgame? I would rate Endgame 10 out of 10 melted ice creams. Where does that put Endgame in your ranking? Throughout? I know it's been a while since we've asked you for your ranking, so feel free to just lay it all out or however much of your ranking you want to give us. Sure. Um, it's actually at the very top. So I haven't, this is the only movie I've given a 10 to, which is kind of a big deal because I've been holding on to Cap and Black Panther at the top for a really long time now. Um, but I have to give in and admit that this movie makes me the happiest and makes me the most probably emotional out of all of them. And it's hard to beat just how jam packed it is with so many great characters while also managing to be a really good movie at the same time. So, same. so yeah, that's why it earns the top there. What, so where, do, how far ahead is that um, from Captain America? Cause you really have held that in your, in yeah, the top for a long time. I have cap one and black Panther tied at nine and a half. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then Infinity War after that, and Thor Ragnarok after that, and the first Avengers movie after that, except the three of those are kind of tied as well, like at like a nine rating. So you really could do this all day is what you're saying. I could. <laughs> this is Cody again. And I have to say the rating for Endgame, it holds its place as the number one spot in my heart, but the whole MCU, there's nothing that quite le- that beats it and its prestige and what it get delivers so it definitely it's holds hot spot so a 10 out of 10 10 out of 10 uh all right what uh what are you going to give uh endgame what's your rating for endgame oh boy um out of 10 we're doing right yeah out of 10 oh shoot i didn't think of a uh, of a unit a here <laughs> all right yeah um Eight and a no nine, eight point seven five tacos blowing away in the wind. <laughs> and what about your ranking? What is your your? We'll call it your final MCU ranking for now, because we haven't broken into the next part of the MCU yet. What's your final MCU ranking after? Okay, so these change constantly, but uh, as of now, this is where I'm at. Number one, Thor Ragnarok, followed by Guardians 2, Infinity War, Guardians, Civil War, Black Panther, Endgame, Winter Soldier, Avengers, Iron Man, Homecoming, Iron Man 3, Ant-Man, Captain America, Doctor Strange, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Captain Marvel, Ultron, Thor, Iron Man 2, Thor, the Dark World, and the Incredible Hulk. Dang. Man, I'll die on that hill. But that's a conversation <laughs> for another time. Are you talking Thank about you. Hulk? <laughs> yes. Hulk should be number one. You're right. <laughs> I will die on that. Well, I don't think it should be number one. I just think it's better than some of the some of the other movies. But that's okay. We don't have to talk about that now. Bailey, what is your rating for Endgame? So I rate in game 10 delightful panderings out of 10. <laughs> Perfect. It's just a good movie. I could try and think of reasons why it's not out 
10 out of 10 and there's like small things you can nitpick but it is just like a culmination of everything that we have been experiencing the past 10 years and everything you guys have been talking about for like the past year at this point and it's a great movie it holds up on rewatch it's like the only three hour movie i will sit down and watch so 10 out of 10 awesome would in game again (laughs) actually would not in game again (laughs) you don't have to tell us your whole rankings because you gave us your rankings in the captain marvel episode which despite it being a month ago, was the last movie we covered before Endgame. Uh, where does Endgame go in your in your rankings? So I gave my rankings of my favorite five movies the first um, episode I was on, and I don't actually remember <laughs> what that ranking is. Um, but I think Endgame, like, objectively and how i rated it is right after black panther i'm not sure it's my second favorite movie because that really just depends on the day and the mood yeah. um and it's not always the one that i rewatch all the time i think i rewatch infinity war a little more often to be honest um but i think i'm just gonna say Endgame is the second best movie in my opinion i have your original top five oh right here. can you read them <laughs> Black Panther, Ant-Man, Avengers, Captain America, the first Avenger, Captain America, Civil War. Okay, I think I stand by that still, but I think Endgame is the second best movie, if that makes sense. Okay, yeah. I'd maybe switch out Endgame and Civil War, because like the first four, they're a little more like just fun, lighthearted, classic superhero movies, which is why I don't watch Endgame as much, because it's kind of heavy. Uh, yeah. but it's definitely one of the best. And Robbie, what are you going to give Avengers Endgame? Um, I'm going to give Endgame 10 proofs of Tony Stark having a heart out of 10. What are you, Peach? I will also be giving Endgame 10 cheeseburgers out of 10. What about Chris? I will be giving it... 10 worthy captains out of 10. And I will be giving Avengers Endgame 10 Asgardians (gasps) of the Galaxy out of 10. A perfect 40! Perfect. Oh, man. Wow. Plus whatever our guest said. I'm not too shocked, but... (laughs) I think it's cool that we all thought this movie was basically perfect. This movie it was should have been was that that magazine in Japan that whatever it used to be yeah. that whenever they give a 40 to a game it was like a huge <laughs> deal. Yeah, I think Ocarina of Time was the first time. Uh-huh. Cuz they'd have four reviewers that rated it out of 10. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now we don't know if it's a perfect counting our guests, but uh right. And it probably won't be. I sure think we do. they I just said it. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess what we're saying is only it's our scores matter. <laughs> All right. That's not true. Everyone that was just on this show, we love you. 3,000. Yeah. Uh, rankings. Chris. Yeah. At the end of phase three, what are your rankings for the MCU? You know, it. it this is going to sound weird. Um, I, I put Infinity War as number one last time, and I think as a standalone, Infinity War is probably a more complete 
movie does maybe a few things that are perhaps more interesting than Endgame by a hair, but there are so many incredible moments and such a satisfying conclusion to Endgame that I'm going to put Endgame at number one and Infinity War at number 1.1. I feel like it's hard to separate these two movies, though, even though they are distinctly their own films. And it is right that they did not make this one Infinity War Part 2 because it really is its own movie. But from a story perspective and really from a perspective of living with the the build-up to Infinity War and the subsequent build-up to Endgame, it, these movies are linked. But but yeah, I'd give Endgame just by that much, probably because Captain America gets the hammer. That's a... <laughs> That's probably what pushes it. Uh, who, who, who wants to uh, go next? Peach. For me, I have Endgame at the very front. I will not dilly-dally in telling you that it's the, the first movie out of all. I did rank both Endgame and Infinity War at 10. Um, I just think Endgame... Yeah, they both stand as their own, their own story. Um, but... Just the finality of it all and the journey that we went on to get there and everything I've said three times now on this podcast <laughs> specifically. Uh, I just it, it's it's a perfect movie for me. It's it's a it's a top five movie outside of this podcast for me. Um, and I I can't imagine it going really much of anywhere. Robbie. So. I'm really with Chris on basically everything he said. The top two films on here are splitting hairs for me. Endgame is going to be at number two. So I've still got Infinity War as my top film. Um, partly because I like Infinity War more, which is saying a lot because I love them both. More as a film the whole way. Um, Infinity War has more of those uh, superhero map pairings that I really like. It's got more Spider-Man. It's got more Doctor Strange. Um it's got the guardians and so i think mostly because of the first and second act i like infinity war more but it's tough because endgame really is just a perfect emotional finality and that third act of endgame is one of my favorite things that has ever been in a film and is absolutely my favorite part of the mcu um and that's enough to make it right there with infinity war but i'm putting endgame second without a lot of confidence um (laughs) How about you, Eduardo? I put Endgame second as well. But to deviate from all of you, my number one is still Black Panther. Hmm. What was that sigh, Robbie? What was that? There was no sigh. Lissa. Endgame is second only to Black Panther. Black Panther, I think, is always going to be, for personal reasons, a cut above all the other movies. Just like how Chris has... The first Avenger in his top five for personal reasons. I can see, you know, Black Panther for me is always just going to be a cut up, a cut above all the other movies for personal reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think past that, Endgame is going to be just at the top there. Uh, and man, it's just such a fun time to watch. And I think it's really easily digestible in sections too. Like you can just watch the first part and sometimes mm-hmm. the, the second part and the third part, like they're all easily digestible on their own or you can sit and watch it all together. Um, and I think it's great. But man, that's, that does it. That's yeah. Endgame. Hey. We have wrapped oh up God. Endgame. We, we have done 
all first three phases of the MCU except for Spider-Man Far From Home, which is, like Peach has said, basically the end credit scene of this mm. first block of the MCU. Oh, speaking of end credits, when it mentioned that at the end of the credits in Endgame, there is not a scene, but you do hear the sound of Tony Stark hammering in the cave. Oh, wow. I literally didn't really? know that. Really? You didn't know that at all? No. Oh, yeah. You stay to the very end. You hear the clink, and it's... And it's weird because it reminds me of the old you. Space Ghost Coast to Coast credits. I was just about yes! to say, I was just about to say it makes me think of the end of Space Ghost Coast to Coast with the uh-huh. hammer mill. I haven't even seen it in my head. I'm thinking of the hammer mill yeah, at the end like of Ghost Space Planet Ghost. Industries. That's exactly what but, it is. But yeah, but no, it's it's Tony in the cave. It's that's the sound. Huh. Just to remind you of how we started. In a cave with a box of scraps. Space Ghost Coast to Coast podcast. Oh, that, I'd be all for that. <laughs> So we definitely, we definitely have lots of ideas of what to do after we're done with Far From Home. We're definitely probably going to do a bonus episode uh, talking about the MCU as a whole and doing a true retrospective now that we've been through all that we've gone through so far. And then, you know, send us an email. What do you want us to cover? I know we're definitely going to talk about Into the Spider-Verse because I've said it 16 times, so <laughs> we might as well actually do it. But past that, it's kind of up in the air. What would you like to hear us talk about? Would you like an Avatar The Last Airbender show? <laughs> would you like a show about DuckTales? Would Ooh. you like a show where we rewatch the MCU for a third time and do a <laughs> retrospective on our retrospective? No, what we need okay. to do is re-listen to all the episodes of the podcast and do a retrospective oh, about the podcast. About the podcast. Yeah. Holy shit. That's meta as shit, dudes. <laughs> But that's going to do it for us today. Once again, thank you everybody so much for listening, for for going on this journey with us. But that's going to do it. You can find the show at AssemblyCast on Twitter. You can find these gentlemen here. PhilKate3 for Robbie. The underscore Peaches for Peaches. GatorSax2010 for Chris. I will be at ABCDEduardo1. If you'd like to email the show, email it. AssemblyRequiredCast at gmail.com that's going to do it for myself for Chris for Robbie for Peaches we love you 3000 bye everybody Celsior goodbye are you going to do ASMR Oh.